Ascension in the count of five. Count of four. Three. Two. One. Five thousand feet. Ten thousand feet. Fifteen thousand feet. Hallelujah. podcast hosted by myself Haley and my partner Michael hello hello Michael how are you I'm wonderful Haley how are you doing good and today we are talking about the 2013 Bioshock Infinite yes very exciting very excited I am if you're not familiar with our podcast the way that it works is um, each of us one at a time um, will bring a game to make the other person play Mm-hmm. And then the other person will play it, nor- normally beat it, sometimes we don't, and then we talk about the game. And Michael and I have very different tastes in games, so it usually sparks some lively debate. Yes. And this is my pick. Yes, but it is your pick, but in this, but not really your pick, because I made you pick it for me to play. A little bit. <laughs> which is... A little bit, um, Which is int- different for us, because I really wanted to play Bioshock Infinite for a couple reasons. Um... Namely, I'm gonna. You won't be able to see it well in the video because it's gonna be backwards. And audio listeners, he's holding up. I'm a holding book. up a copy of Jason Schreier's uh, second book, I believe, which is Press Restart, which is a book all about video game companies essentially closing and reopening and moving on. And there's a whole chapter because uh, obviously, after a little history for this game, after Bioshock Infinite came out in 2013, to rousing critical and commercial success, big hit. Irrational Games closed down almost immediately after it came out. Uh, And there's a great chapter in here, um, and it really sparked my interest. I remember playing Bioshock Infinite back in close to launch, 2013, 2014-ish, and being like, that was a pretty good game. But it kind of left a weird taste in my mouth. And then I moved on. That was eight years ago now. So it kind of... I hadn't thought about it in a long time than reading this book. I was like, I should go back and replay Bioshock Infinite, and what a great opportunity, because we have a podcast where we make each other play, <laughs> games. play games. I was like, and Haley, I know, was also a big fan of Bioshock, the series, and I was like, hey, Haley, you should make me play Bioshock Infinite for Game of Makeups, and that's where we're at right now. <laughs> and I was, like, tired that day. I was like, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I guess maybe I'll go into sort of my... I mean, I already kind of did, but my history with the game, you talk yeah. about your history with the game. and You played it when it first came out? Yeah, I think I played it on PlayStation Plus originally on the PlayStation 3 back in like 2014. Was PlayStation Plus? Yeah, it was. When it came out? No, 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 no. Oh, like okay, it came, like you. maybe like a six months to a year after. That's why I'm not exactly sure on the date. Somewhere between 2013 and 2014. Oh, wow. I did not realize My second year university was on PlayStation Plus. Oh, wow. Which was 2013, 2014. So. I didn't realize it came to PS Plus that quick. Yeah. Uh, and and for this playthrough, I played the Nintendo Switch version. Because oh. we were talking about this game. It was actually on sale for like $3. <laughs> I was like, oh, perfect. Uh, not the best running version of this game, I will say. A little choppy. Uh, yeah. But we're not here to talk about performance Everything of the game. Everything is choppy on that. But thing. hey, it's still... Um, yeah. So... <laughs> There's a lot to unpack with this game. This is actually the first Bioshock game I've ever played. I Me played... too. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. How did we not talk about that yet? <laughs> that's what's wild. I played this one and then one and two. Me too. Because oh. I got one and two were like, and I feel like one and two were in a collection before Infinite was part of the collection. Yeah. I think on PS because I played one on PS. Maybe I just played one. For it was like, like the Rapture collection. Yeah, or, or I bought it for like ten dollars yeah. at EB Games or something. Now yeah. known as GameStop here in Canada, like everywhere else in the world. Yeah. Uh, and so I played this one first. I was like, that was a pretty cool game. And then, obviously, I played Bioshock 1 and 2, 
which are, in my opinion, first superior to this game. Maybe not Bioshock 2, depending on your taste, but I think everyone kind of agrees Bioshock that... Bioshock 1 is way better. <laughs> ...that Bioshock 1 is, like, a certified classic. It is the Citizen Kane of video games. <laughs> it is the Dark Souls... Slash S. ...of the Citizen Kanes of gaming. <laughs> oh, God. Figure that one out. Um, That's a lot. But yeah, it's, uh... I liked it well enough when I played it, and then reapplying it was quite an experience for me, because I've, I've since, since 2014, I've watched a lot of discourse, read a lot of discourse about this game comments critiques and we're gonna get into a lot of your guys's comments and critiques we got as the well. most questions ever ever i think this. yeah by far i think for this one um, we got like two questions for death stranding and like 10 <laughs> yeah. 15 or something for this well one. everyone this was a very big game when it came out it was a big yeah. deal as is bioshock is a big deal um bioshock is a big deal so why don't you tell me about your experiences with bioshock infinite and mm-hmm. bioshock one i guess and two in your history of the series before we get into the, the sort of yeah. the nitty-grittiness of our talk discussion about infinite because there's a lot to unpack here it's so interesting to replay infinite uh, like almost 10 years after it's come out because mm-hmm. the vibes are are so deaf i played it when it came out in 2013 and then i replayed it again in 2014 for a class i was in an english class called story world and play which oh. i think i've mentioned on the pod before and very cool i had to play it for school which was fun and i loved it i thought it was so good and then like We'll get to the ending, but the, t- the t- you know, Bioshock games always have a twist. And the, yes. and the twist, I was like, that is so freaking cool. And I like, <laughs> loved it. And I made my best friend, Michael, my other Michael, not this one. I made him play it. Like, in the week that I beat it in 2013, I would have him over after school and watched him beat it, like, mm. the week after. Mm. Just because I was like, someone else has to experience this this top tier plot <laughs> and I just like uh, was obsessed right. with it sure. I thought it was so interesting and I guess you know I was kind of new to games like I'd only really gotten into games in a big way in 2010 so it's like three years later so right. you know my palette wasn't as 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 uh refined refined <laughs> that's not to say it's bad that makes no. me sound like I hate it now but yeah it's 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 fun to play it when I was you know 21 or 20 years old versus now I'm 28 and it's it's like you're older you're wiser yeah it's like more experiences it's weird to be nostalgic for a game that's about like feeling nostalgic Mm. right like that's weird yeah the game's about being nostalgic for bioshock it's 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 copy paste bioshock with like a bunch of things changed but it's the same fighting mechanics it's the same oh new area and i use vigors and i fight and i jump around and whatever it's like it copy pastes a lot like there's a big mechanical monster that protects Mm -hmm. a a girl well copy and paste a lot for reasons we'll get into that are important to the plot um, I guess we should say here while we're still about to close the top of the episode we're gonna be spoiling bioshock infinite and because like this game is what is it 2013 it is now nine almost 10 years old also we're gonna be spoiling the original bioshock because that game is from 2007 so If you haven't played Bioshock, go play it. It's a classic. Go play it in Bioshock Infinite, and then come back and listen. But we're gonna we're gonna spoil this game. Yes, because we got to get to get into why this game is good and why this game is. I won't use the word bad yet, <laughs> but why it's it's bad conflicting. Uh, we have to kind of spoil it. So just heads up on spoilers, I guess. Um, so I won't <laughs> spoiler warning. Uh, but I want to get into this intro of this game like i guess we'll, we'll kind of walk through it step by step okay. i think because i think this best part of this game is the first hour i love it when you're really outside well like when, when there's no combat when you first you know 
Wonder Woman love Bioshock for its claustrophobia. And, like, the first hour of this is so the antithesis of that. It's like, <sighs> big open air outside. Yeah, and I think there's that that contrast to the first Bioshock, where you, come, you go into Rapture in Underwater City, and it's very dark, and it's clearly terrible things have happened here. You're coming into a city that's already wrecked. Yeah. Whereas, whereas you arrive in Columbia and in Infinite, you go it's, wreck it. it's lively. There's people living their lives. It's not, it's not destroyed. It's still very much in the prime of its existence. Yeah. And that's like my favorite part of it is walking around, seeing this world. It's very bright. It's very colorful in contrast to Rapture. Yeah. You know, everyone's singing. The Beach Boys are there. For, there there's a bunch of a barbershop quartet singing a lovely rendition of God Only Knows, which is my favorite songs anyway. Yeah. So... Playing it again, I was so enamored. The world of Columbia, on the surface, is so beautiful and so pleasant, which, of course, is a great contrast to when, you know, shit literally hits the fan so quickly when yeah. you pull up to, <laughs> literally. To, the, <laughs> to the raffle and you see, you know, oh, I, and also just a heads up, there's lots of stuff about uh, race. And class struggles in this game. Uh, we're gonna try that to that isn't handled the best. Sometimes. No, and we'll get into that. But we're you know we're gonna try to handle it as best we can. Yes. Uh, but just heads up, if you're not okay with necessarily uh, d- descriptions of violence towards people of color, this yeah. happens a lot in this game, and it's important to the game, so we have to discuss it. Shoves it. it down your throat quite a lot. Yeah, and for good and for ill, I think. Mm. But I really love that contrast of Columbia, you know, as a beautiful scenic place getting really destroyed very quickly when the cops try to arrest you and Booker DeWitt, our main character, grabs a grappling hook and shoves it into a policeman's face in a absolutely brutal killing. Close range. It's like an inch from the camera. And it's a great way to illustrate the illusion of this peaceful world breaking right in front of your eyes and then the game becomes a essentially running down a hallway shooting everyone in sight. Yeah. With some moments of brevity i guess but what do you think with the intro of this game good intro bad intro i think it's a good intro i think it's this game's a disney ride it's like the best way to describe it you're you're coaxed through these areas and a lot of games do this it's it's just be a hallway but why the why this game kind of feels different is that there's so much attention to detail in your experience as you walk down the hallway every hallway is a curated event like Mm -hmm. most hallways are usually just there's a bucket on the corner and it's dirty and you just run through it and you're like now i'm in a new area this is like, you know, things are happening, like the light, the effects of the light, like make the room look, saturated colors amp up like feelings of nostalgia for old Americana. And you're like, oh my God, like it's just, it's curated and it's very fine tuned. And it feels like that way more at the start. Like it's not that it loses it, but it's, it's tripled down mm-hmm. in the first hour. Mm-hmm. Like you're walking down the street and it's your neck almost, it forces your neck up to statues like, you're looking at the Disney castle. It's like you're sitting in a little buggy and it's showing you everything. And it's like, look how pretty we've made this, which is the whole point of, like, you see the facade before you start mm-hmm. undermining it. Sure. Um, but, like, huge structures, vivid colors. Ut- it's like a utopia. And, like... Oh, yeah. That's certainly what they're going and for. And, I mean, every, you, with every kind of piece of media that has even something interesting, they have to show you, like what's good and then ruin it like they, they can mm-hmm. just start and ruin it you want to I, mean, I guess rapture did do that well yeah that's an interesting comparison i think between columbia and raptors that when again when we come into rapture and bioshock one it's already destroyed it's the out. illusion is already gone but there is no illusion it's a decrepit ruined city yeah. the only good things you hear about it are through audio logs which is you know a primary form both these games yeah. use as storytelling 
people recording their thoughts and, you know, hearing about these utopias. So yeah, it's very interesting that, and I think this sort of affects, I guess, our first sort of, my first sort of gamey critique of this game. In, and I don't want to spend the whole time comparing Bioshock Infinite to Bioshock 1, because, I mean, it's not necessarily conducive, but also I feel it's important because Bioshock 1 is so good in so many ways, and it's going to be a, I mean, Bioshock the 2. The vibes are so there with Bioshock. Well, that's, the atmosphere is incredible, and yeah, there's a lot of, like, empty space sometimes, but it feels like a lived-in world. Yeah. More so than Columbia, which, like, as you're describing... A Disney ride's very apt description. I think it feels like a series of set pieces, not unlike an Uncharted. You know what I mean? With like no action, they're like set pieces. Well, there's no action, action, you know. Like, but I I knew when I walked into a room in Columbia and I saw zip hooks around and I saw a bunch of barrels. I'm like, oh, there's going to be a huge gunfight here in about yeah. five minutes. Which is, you know, it's a video game. It's got to have areas to shoot people in. But C- Rapture does such a better job of like sort of masking the gaminess of its environment, which is not a great way to describe it. You know what I mean? Like you, in Rapture, you're walking into a shop and the shop just feels like a regular shop. And then, yeah, yeah you're going to get attacked. Yeah. And there's a lot less focus on action in Bioshock 1 as opposed to... There's action and mm. we'll get into it, but I don't think the gun plays necessarily either of these games' strong point. If I had a huge critique of Bioshock 1 is that the combat is whatever. But the the world is so much... I won't say inviting, but atmospheric. It's very yeah. cool. And Columbia just feels like, yeah, there's some cool moments, but once, the, like I said, the opening of this game is so good, but once it, the sort of the big catalyst so. for why the plot happens, happens, it just becomes a large arena of shooting galleries over and over, where you're literally yeah. manifesting more guns out of thin air. Yeah. So yeah, it's a weird, it, it's a weird contrast. I think it could have been, because hmm. the world, I wanted to see more of like, columbia being columbia as opposed like the people just live in a shooting gallery it feels like i don't you don't get to see like where people live you know what i mean it's just like here's the industrial district and here's a factory all good places to have a shootout no doubt about it but i I guess i want to see more of the world itself instead of shooting rooms i don't know if you agree yeah it definitely spends most of its time showing you the philosophy of the world you lived in not like the actual reality Mm -hmm. like with um, with Rapture, it's, like, you learn about the philosophy of why the world exists as it is, like, retroactively, like, through the, like, just through the environment. Yeah. But with Columbia, it's, like, oh, it's right there. Like, it's not mm-hmm. retroactive. It's, like, we are very patriotic, borderline on cultism, like, mm-hmm. American exceptionalism. Look at it. It's right here. This is how, blah, blah, blah. And then you learn about the follies of that kind of society as you progress through it it feels awesome at first you're like Mm -hmm. oh it's so clean and everyone's happy but like wait there's a lot of only white people around Mm -hmm. and the women are not being treated that nice and whoopsie i have to throw a baseball at an interracial couple yeah in what like what i don't like this place anymore that's the game's first big choice is whether to throw the ball at the interracial couple or the announcer announcer yeah, obviously, like... <laughs> you did it the couple of Yeah, that's a, it's a red flag, for <laughs> that's sure. That's a little red flag. But, I, yeah, I guess sort of my feeling on this whole thing is that I wanted to see more of Columbia being, like, a, a, like these the people have been here for a long time, the world's very established, and again, it's by virtue of sort of, like, if they're going to introduce the world to me as one that's happening right now, as opposed to Rapture, where everyone's already a spliced-up crazy person yeah then i guess i wanted to see more of it and the, and there, i shouldn't say there's no there are aspects of this we, you, you do encounter people sort of just 
there there are a couple quiet moments in this game where you encounter people sort of just living their lives. Yeah. But it's they're few and far between. I guess I wanted to see more of the former from the first Bioshock. Mm. I feel that. Yeah. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> Whoa. I mean, this is your this is your this is your game this that is I made my you pick. Game. This is my game. I'm here I'm here to justify my opinion, so please. I really want to talk. I mean, maybe it's too early in the pod to talk about it. But I really want to talk about how it hits so different 10 years almost 10 years later. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but like replaying it, I was just kind of like not that it's not as good, but I was way less impressed. I used to be really impressed by this game mm-hmm. when I was younger. And I could chalk that up to like being naive and not having a good game palette yet or whatever. But it just, it hits, I don't know about you, but did it hit so different when playing it again, like being older and like knowing more about what this, the politics behind this game uh, are trying to convey to you and like how it kind of falls short sometimes. I think it's super pretentious sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think it's super heavy handed sometimes to the point mm-hmm. that you're like, shut up. Like I get it. Like, holy right. Crap. For sure. And then, but like, I remember being you know, a teen pretty much yep. and, and playing it and being like, whoa, I'm, my brain's going to expand it. And I think back to that, I was like, Ugh. like this game almost makes me think back really strongly to that time in my life when I played this and thought I was like learning so much and being like, right. this doesn't even touch the tippy of the iceberg without discussing all these kind of I- ideologies. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think this game maybe got some slack back in the day. And some slack now. <laughs> um, you know, 2013, when I think about 2013 in gaming, I'm thinking that's right in the middle of the Xbox 360, PS3 era. Mm-hmm. A lot of shooters weren't like Bioshock Infinite. No, that's true. You had a lot of Call of Duties. You had a lot of Gears of War. Um, that when they tried to reboot, like, uh, SOCOM or anything into these, like, gritty gray and brown yeah, dirty true. environments right it's so bright and this game is in this game should be said is beautiful aesthetically it, it looks lo- it, really good it still looks good even almost 10 years later it looks really good there's some times where i'd walk up to some apples and be like that looks yeah. like crap but yeah the, the rest of it like as, oh yeah as like a whole the npcs good. in the background their Look faces are terrible horrible. but like as a general aesthetic and it because it's much more it's not it's a sort of like cell shady cartoony look in a lot of yeah, ways it's, an art, yeah, it's, an it's a very style. clear distinct art direction and it's very bright and colorful and it's trying to tackle themes that i don't think a lot of shooters were trying to do mm-hmm. whether this game tackles those themes successfully i will will discuss but <laughs> it's trying and i think it's trying and you know if and this is not to if you're like an ign reviewer in 2013 and you gave call of duty modern warfare 7 whatever it was at the time yeah. like an 8.8 out of 10 for just being like a very and don't you know, very competently made shooters that are a lot of fun, yeah. no doubt about it. But then if you, when you get a game like this that's trying to be something that's and like and kind of falling a lot, but like you gotta kind of give it credit for what it's trying to do. So yeah, definitely I get what you're saying. Like playing it when I was and guys, the first time I played, it, I was well into studying philosophy at university, so I was a little bit more I was a little bit more aware <coughs> of these sort of actions. Yeah, but uh. It certainly has some interesting things to say, but not very successfully, I think. And maybe we'll hold off on the themes discussion till we... That's so hard. It's hard because sometimes <laughs> I feel like it does something interesting. And then other times it's so like... 
Like, compare it to Detroit Become Human is what I always want to do. Right, because it's so heavy-handed. So heavy-handed. It's like, shh, to the point that it's disrespectful and it's too much. (laughs) And I'm like, now you're mishandling these topics. And you're shoving them down my throat in a way that's not not evoking thought in a Mm -hmm. productive way. Mm -hmm. It's like almost mismanaging these kind of concepts into clunky, weird chunks that it's like... You can't sure. reduce it that much because then it, it these issues are complex because they're complex. Ex- mm-hmm. Examine them in a complex manner, but when you clunk them down to chunky chunks and shove them down my gullet like chunky soup, I'm like, Bleh, I don't like it anymore. I don't right. know. And other times it does it interestingly. So I don't know. It's yeah, a toss up. And I certainly wouldn't say that um, Bioshock 1 is exactly <laughs> subtle in its Mm-mm. critiques either. Like... I mean, and Rand, Andrew Ryan, like, and yeah. I don't think it's trying to be subtle. I think it's trying no, it, to. It hates her it, philosophies. <laughs> it hates them. Yeah, it's literally like the best. Like the I laughed out loud playing this game. This is this is a the joke that I that I'm stealing, but I think, but like when I I thought about it too, and then I saw a joke that articulated what I thought pretty well. Yeah. There's a point in this game where you first meet Elizabeth, the the other central character of this game, and you fall through her roof into her library and she attacks you with a book which yeah. is like it's a book about the, the the laws of metaphysics and she's literally attacking booker with you i'm like oh it's like the game's literally beating you over the head with what it's going to do and i think yeah. that's like it's not trying to be subtle and like i don't i'm not giving i'm not giving it points for that like mm-hmm. you can be subtle and I, like it's yeah, but it's not trying to be, and neither is Bioshock One. It's very much like these philosophies are bad, <laughs> and Rand is bad. Do you want to talk? <laughs> Centrist America is bad. <laughs> but then Bioshock Infinite literally like creates a world in which you are supposed to understand a centrist ideology. Well, I mean, it kind of. I mean, it forces you to. I think, but yeah, but I think it you wants you to sure. Because I, I read something that... Yeah, you're not supposed to agree with Comstock. But then they also put the Vox Populi as so aggressive that they're also mm, as bad. Sure. So then it's like, evil begets evil, and it's a, cir- a circle. Will the circle be unbroken? But it's like... That's so, not the same. So you'd rather, like, the Vox Populi be, like, the heroes? Like, the objective good and bad? I mean, that would be good. And then, I think so. Obviously not in the way that they handled it. Sure. I don't know. I... I for for how much you th- so you think Bioshock One was very critiquing of a centralist ideology? Well, no, it's critiquing of whatever Ayn Rand's philosophy is. I forget the, libertarianism. Yeah, like that idea of like a man's owed whatever he does. A man picks up the sweat of his brow. No, so he says to the man and whatever. Like you work for what you earn and yada yada yada. That's all good. Yeah, and it's showing. But like the, the whole point of Bioshock One is like, hey, it doesn't work because people are greedy and people always want more than. They, they can get what they want, but they also want what you want. I guess it differs in Bioshock Infinite because that might just talk about people in general, but the way that they frame that kind of same kind of thought concept, but in Infinite mm-hmm. is through a, len- a, 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 a race lens. Like, they're like... Oh, sure. The white, like, you know, people of Colombia being the oppressors mm-hmm. of people of color... You know, women are also treated very poorly in that society. Um, And then all other cultures are villainized, which is just nationalism. And then as soon as the, you know, underclass tries to rise up, they're vilified. So when they respond in violence, all it does is affirm the nationalist ideologies against them. It's like, well, Mm -hmm. look at them reacting so poorly. We knew they were going to do this. 
Of course they would. Look at how it's violent topi- they this are. This is topical stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Even now. <laughs> and it's um, like, yeah. so, but then that, you know, you kind of go with the Vox Populi for a while and you like view things through their, their lens mm-hmm. and then conveniently jump worlds and go to a situation where they're much more aggressive and they're, uh, you know, things, Booker's dead in that universe. and Okay, well, so slow your roll here. You're, you're getting into a lot of stuff we're not ready to get into I'm just yet. saying, it's like, it's almost <laughs> like the plot conveniently jumps around when they start to do something somewhat, like, conducive to interest, like, something interesting. It's like, okay, so they're the Vox Popular, the class going against this oppressive society. Interesting. Ah, new timeline and it's like well you were just gonna do something there so i don't know correct me if i'm wrong here but you would prefer if the game had a more <laughs> i'm not try- I'm, just, I'm just trying to understand where you're coming yeah, from yeah, yeah, okay. but you would be more inclined to enjoy the game's critiques if it was more clear like who's the good and bad guy instead of set in the center because i agree with you that both the columbia Com- zachary hale comstock's columbia and the Vox Populi are both framed as... Because you kill both of them yes. many, many times. Like, as soon as you're done killing the Columbia. Colombian people... That's yeah, wrong. Well. Um, you start killing Vox Populi, like, in yeah, the next chapter. Sure. And you prefer if it wasn't that way? The Vox Populi are the quote-unquote good guys? Well, I mean, they're definitely much more... I'm way more sympathetic to that situation. Like, of course, like... The, the whole Daisy Fitzroy situation right. is trying to vilify that movement with now we've gone too far. Mm-hmm. Who cares? As long as we root the seed up out of the ground, it doesn't matter. Like we need to just do this right. so that things can progress forward pro- like properly, mm-hmm. which if you bear, let's see, it's so hard to think about this game and talk about it. Cause then you jump around to like the DLC changes this and then yeah, this yeah. happens and then this happens. It's so hard here's to talk what I, about it. Here's what I think is what they're going for. And I don't think they do a good job. I'm, I agree with you, yeah. but what they're trying to do is the overall grander critique rather than just critiquing Comstock's Columbia or the Vox Populi for being vilified, which they are, and I don't agree with yeah. you that that's right, yeah. but the overarching critique that I think the writers of the game, one writer who we'll get into, is going for <laughs> yeah. is that it's bad in a grander sense to focus on oneself and trying to advance yourself above everybody else. That's the whole, like, Comstock thinks he's better than everyone. Daisy Fitzroy thinks their group is better than everyone. So that's bad in the general sense. And it's not done very well. You can't, if you're going to have that conversation, this isn't the space to apply it. See, that's, you've, you've told, like, I don't agree with that. What do you mean this space? This, well, he's, he's... The space of video games? No, no, no. Like, the... Like a like a race war situation. Oh, that's yeah. not the place to to talk about because that. I mean, I agree with thinking about how human ego will always corrupt. Like yes. power, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Like yeah, that, yeah. that's look at the history of humans. That old gumshoe. That old whatever. Like <laughs> yeah. you know, sure. That yes, that's interesting. But you can't. I don't know to apply to this kind of situation, which not to mention like is currently semi happening in america right now it's not like we're talking about the early 1900s like where this game takes place where this game takes place 1912 i believe i mean this came out before trump's inauguration and his horrible presidency i don't know like that's not the that's not the context in which i think you should be thinking about corrupt 
corruption of power uh-huh. because it's not a corruption of power. It's in that circumstance, it's it's trying to equate power. It's trying to take power away from an oppressor and equate it towards all people. Mm. Whereas in Bioshock, it was just individual cases of people trying to take power from themselves above all else. Right, like you're talking about like Sander Cohen and yes. the doctor from Bioshock 1 and yes. stuff, right? But showing how Infinite, the, yeah. It's it's done in in a class setting where now you're talking you're essentially taking it from an individual setting to a populist setting. Mm-hmm. And so obviously it's going to get way more complicated if you do that and sure. then and then that's when it gets lost and that's when it kind of starts to be like, "Ee, this is icky." Yeah. Like that's what I kind of feel like. Okay. I get where you're coming from. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I see, I see what you're saying. It's just like... It just comes Sounds off... like you like this game less than me. I, mean, I, like, <laughs> I like this game, but yeah. I, that always bothered... Well, you know, I would, maybe it wasn't... I don't know. That always bothers, it bothers me about this. Well, like, like, hindsight's always twenty twenty. You can't be like... What, like, we have more experience, like, not just us, but like, we as a... Hopefully as a people have a more acute understanding of these issues in 2022 than we did in 2013. Like... Yeah, maybe, and like I'm not saying we should only frame it in the context of when the game came out, because yeah. that's that's sort of like a that's a oh, it's a crutch. It's like you're falling back. Like, well, in 2013 they didn't know, but <laughs> it's like not even that long ago. Exactly, <laughs> it's not at all. We yeah. were in our 20s. Sure, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's one of those things where like okay, the game was trying, and it kind of felt like that. That's kind of like the story of this whole game yeah. is that it tries really, really hard, really hard, and just falls on its face a lot. Yeah. And I want to talk about more about the plots. We kind of we kind of skimmed over there a lot, but let's before <laughs> yeah. we get into the plot heavy stuff. Okay. I want to talk about the game stuff. That's fine, like the actual mechanical stuff. You know how I am mm-hmm. with mechanics, and the mechanics of this game aren't that good. You think shooting is bad? It's not bad. It's just whatever. And this is not <laughs> and like so and this is my problem. Sort of like I give Bioshock One a lot of slack for its combat. Because the game isn't necessarily about... It, the combat is really the focus. It's about atmosphere. It's about telling a captivating story. It's about choice. It's about, you know, interacting with this world. The combat's almost secondary. secondary. Like, there's never a time in Bioshock when you're fighting more than four people, you know? Yeah. You throw out a vigor. You hit him with your... You can play that whole game with just the wrench. Yeah. It's fun. I've done it. It's great. Yeah. Um... You know, one big daddy in Bioshock 1 is a huge deal. We have to th- methodically, like, plan out your combat. Gotta run. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas Bioshock Infinite is clearly more concerned about ha- making sure the player has a lot of fun shooting. It's like, act- it's like moving, moving, moving. So why then, and here's my, here's my, I guess, here, why then in Bioshock Infinite am I limited to two guns? Yeah, no, that's When in bad. Bioshock 1, I had all the guns. Yeah. If this game's gonna be about shooting... Which it is. Like, you're going to give me a whole room of dudes? All right, cool. Okay, but hey, I hope you brought the right kind of gun for the ammo they're going to drop. Otherwise, fuck you. Otherwise, you're running around in circles. Wait Trying to find anything. That happened to me so much. I All the it, time. I played it in hard mode this time. Jeez. I, it's, hard, it's hard on normal. It's hard on hard. <laughs> I never would try 1999 mode. That no. shit looks insane. You, like, get one shot. Why would you? It's not fun. To, it's not... It's gonna, insane. <sighs> fighting the ghost, fighting Com- Lady Comstock's ghost yeah. is, it's literally impossible. Sure. It was crazy hard. You know why but, it's impossible? I'll tell you why it's impossible. Well, because of the guns, but like, like the design of the guns. Like, okay, so for me, I really like in this game, I like the uh, like the rifle, the single shot, like the pow, pow, pow rifle. The carbine? Yeah, the carbine. Thank mm-hmm. you. And I like the shotgun. Those are my two favorite guns. Okay. So naturally, 
I want to upgrade them at the upgrade machines, which you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I upgrade all the, sh- the, the ammo capacity and the damage, and it's great. And then, oh, I ran out of ammo, and the only thing I can find is that stupid grenade launcher that sucks. That's all I can find for, like, an hour. So it's like, it doesn't matter that I upgraded my guns. Yeah. because Or, like, and this, it's such simple fixes. Like, yeah. just have a universal ammo source of grabbing, like... Shotgun well, shells. Yeah. Carbine it, and, you know, car- like, ammo works for three types of guns. Or sure. Something. Like, such an easy fix. Because that happened to me all the time. Yeah. It's like, ugh, all that's around here is, like, a burst gun that yeah. I don't even like. You don't like it. And I haven't, you know, leveled it up, and now I gotta walk around and use this for two areas, and I, ugh. It just makes, and this is, like, it's weird that, Bio, like, we were just talking about earlier how Bioshock was sort of trying to rebel against trends of games from this time, but that's such a trend of this time, like... Two guns. You got two guns. Doom Eternal, you can run around with like, there's like 15 guns and it's awesome. <laughs> and you can combo them and it's amazing. Yeah. And Bioshock 1 had this figured out six years earlier than this. I don't know this. why they, why did they do that? It doesn't make any sense. It's ludonarrative dissonance. Oh my god, we're not ready to talk about ludonarrative dissonance. That's not, also that's not game, what ludonarrative dissonance Well yeah, it's the game encourages you, it's a shooting oh, yeah. game and then it doesn't give you the methods to shoot properly. It's like, well, look, see, that's not little narrative distance. Yes, that, that's bad gameplay design. Little narrative distance is when the narrative of the game comes in contrast with the mechanics well, of the, the game. Well, the narrative of the game is to kill lots of things. That's not the narrative of the game. <laughs> yeah, Come it on. is. He's a freaking crazy murderer. That's a stretch, and you know it. That's narrative. Come no, on. it's not. Yes, it is. I know what little narrative distance <laughs> is. I've read the 2007 blog post where it was. Me too. Be. I read it for this episode. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I know what it is. <laughs> But it's not. But like, that's not what that is. That's just bad game design. It's when gameplay elements don't match up with the story. Which you're right. I'm. I guess <laughs> it's not quite. This is the story of how one man went to a city in the sky and murdered everyone. <laughs> I mean, that's Bioshock is. Infinite in thirty seconds or ten seconds. But for crap's sake. I mean, yeah. So that's the problem I have with is that like the action of this game, and it's not even fun to shoot guys. Like a lot of these dudes are just bullet sponges. Like yeah. more often than not, it was I'd rather just throw a vigor at them and hit them with my grapple hook. Yeah. Then waste my ammo. I had my thing where if I grab, if I hit them, they yeah. bounce back, and so I would just take them to corners and hit them yeah. off. That's all I did. And also half the vigors, the other you know, for vigors I for people like who don't them. know, are magic powers that you get from drinking juice in this world. <laughs> I get magic and, you know, powers from drinking. Juice. And there's like eight of them, but most of them do the exact same thing. There's three of them that are just stunts. Yeah. There's four of them that like throw you up in the air. Like yeah, they're just, are different. so I guess you just pick one you like and use them all the time. Yeah. They're different, but not really that I wish they were more interesting. This one can make a trap. This one can make a trap. <laughs> make a this trap. They make all trap make traps on the ground. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> it says, yeah. So, if, and that's fine. If they wanted to focus on a more combat heavy direction, that's fine. The AI is janky too. Well, yeah, it's like not, you'll be like in front of it and they're like, where'd you, and it sort of dilutes that because like the big i mean there is like the one big daddy equivalent but like in combat the big daddy equivalent are like the dudes with like george washington and abraham lincoln those guys the heart guy with his, yeah yeah he's just as easy to kill as you just as shoot the, them as the animatronic things so it's just the combat really didn't leave a good taste in my mouth i, I chose a bad game <laughs> Like you're just to defend this game and you're like no nah, yeah it's pretty bad <laughs> i'm like bringing more critiques like if we go back to our twilight princess episode i'm fighting for my life in that episode i'm fighting for my life i'm fighting here. for my life in the chat for that episode to mm-hmm. stop you from from squandering my beautiful beautiful twilight princess right this game yeah i guess that's the nature of our <laughs> show who just, knows we're just more of a discussion than anything but mechanically, it's be, that, this will be your game. <laughs> 
But, like, mechanically, it's really, like, again, like I said earlier, the top of the show, like, level design is just kind of, like, there's a bunch of shooting hallways where you shoot dudes, but the shooting isn't that fun. And, and it looks, it looks pretty. Like Yeah, it like, looks pretty. Like, you know. No doubt about it. But, yeah, I guess that's sort of my thing with, like, the gameplay. I don't know if you have anything more to say about it, but, like, those are kind of the two main things, game-wise. about Elizabeth? Ah, well, yeah, that, that is the other one. That is a gameplay element. Elizabeth has um, a, a companion. Keep in mind, this came out the same year, 2013, as The Last of Us. Yes. Ellie was another very, like, prominent companion, mm-hmm. and they got compared a lot. Well, they're, they work very similarly, um, I think. They both can't be hurt. Yeah. Um, Ellie, I thought you, Ellie can get grabbed once in a while and you have to like save her. And like, if you wait like two and a half minutes, she'll die. Come over. Right. She'll die. But like, but yeah, they, they, they essentially function the same. They're just like two. they throw ammo at you. Elizabeth can open tears in the world to give you extra ammo and she'll throw health at you. Um, I guess Elizabeth, like this is sort of a question, like Elizabeth, the mechanic versus Elizabeth, the character. The mechanic. The mechanic. She's Let's great start with mechanic. that. That's, a, that's an easy um, topic. Because she's like, she's fine. She's just a way for People me to get... People really love her. As a mechanic, though? Yeah. Like, oh, I, find, I got a little extra salts. Whoop. But, like, I find it hard to care about her when she can't get hurt. And I'm not saying she has to be... What does that mean? You wanted to get hurt? Well, no, I, I would be more inclined to, like... My lady. <laughs> like, even the sense, like, Elizabeth can't help me right now because she doesn't have to die, but, like, she's wounded and she can't help me for like 45 seconds she's like cool down right yeah that'd be interesting because then i'd want to protect elizabeth going into a big fight i'm not saying she has to be ashley from resident evil 4 oh yeah there's the comparison where like she gets kidnapped and I gone mean, and like she, that's quick because yeah quick that that can she'll yeah. die in those instances and ashley. people don't like escort missions i get it it's not fun to having for my fun to be ruined trying to watch an npc who i can't controls back yeah that's not and elizabeth is you know, I can say she's intelligent because she doesn't, she's like, she can't be hurt in combat. Yeah. So that's my main problem with it. I don't know how you fix that. People smarter than me probably tried. I think they, they looked at the comic complaint, which is my companion's annoying. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of saving it. And they were like, let's not even like, they didn't even look at a scale of like how helpful or how least helpful she could be. There's like max it out a hundred most helpful and out of the way. Mm-hmm. And then just that's it. Like they didn't even try to make it like a, balancing act they were like nope she can never get hurt and she gives you stuff yeah that's it and it's like some people love that though yeah and i I guess she also lacks that i mean to bring back to that ellie comparison again you know when you're playing the last of us and you like pull up and you blow a dude's head off ellie will go oh gross right she'll (laughs) react to it Mm -hmm. or when you do and you stab a dude in the throat or whatever and she goes sick joel because, like, yeah. she's there with you, right? And, she's, yeah. and she also... But Elizabeth is literally like, okay, Booker, go kill all the dudes. And then and then all the, bo- all the boo- dudes are dead. Sick. Here I am, Booker. Well, there's that one time she reacts to it. Right. And in well, the tra- when they're flying up And then it's the- never brought up again. She's like, yeah, I can't believe you killed all those people. He's like, well, I have to kill people. He kills, like, one person who shot at them. And she's like... Yeah, and then she's like, I guess we have to work together, and then she's totally fine with it. I know. That's more of a character critique of her, though, I guess, well, more than anything. Well, that's dissonance. Sure. There you go. You got it. <laughs> Dab. I dabbed. Um, yeah, like, as a mechanic, she's like, I know, I know we, we have a lot of listener 
comments about how great Elizabeth is, and I'm, I'm we'll get to them, but like yeah, I mean, not to not to spoil the plot early, but she's just a nice no thinky thing there. Like you don't. She's have to worry just about her. she's free ammo. She's not a character in those moments though. She's free ammo. She's free health. Yeah, she's. Like, I don't Booker, care about. Look out. I don't care, but like, but that would be an interesting thing if she's like. She and she like she yeah, she'll like book her just, behind you. She's like book her sniper. She will call out people. I yeah, guess that's a that's a fair play. She does do that. Fair play. But I don't know. She's just like whatever. She doesn't really add anything. No, she, mechanically she, I she just say. doesn't subtract. She's neutral. Yeah, so it's like she, she, it's, it's whatever you know. <laughs> I wish she was more active. I wish like I was She's saying. Mid. <laughs> I wish that she just. I wish she would. Be, like, like, make yeah. me care about her. Like, yeah. like what I'm saying, like that cooldown. Like, oh, Booker. Like, I have to take cover for a bit, you, and then, oh shit. But here's three, whatever they're called, the Patriot dudes, like the huge robots. Yeah. It's like, really wish I had Elizabeth there to throw some salts at me right now. That'd be good. Yeah, they just didn't. They just didn't. And yeah, and that, they, they could have. And they probably play tested it. Everyone's like, we want her to be whatever. Just be yeah. easy. So that's fair. I think it would have been interesting to kind of tie her into the difficulty. So the harder oh, okay. it, like, make her really integral to the fights and then if it's super hard she rarely helps you if it's easy she helps you all the time and that'd be the only difference like don't change the health of the enemies uh-huh. don't change you know like how fast your health depletes only how much she helps you that'd be kind of cool yeah absolutely because then you probably care about her more it's like if you're on easy mode she's like here's what we're gonna do mm-hmm. i'll give you salts and then and like she's just tossing you shit every two seconds and then if you're on hard mode or if god forbid 1999 mode she's like She'll walk into an area and be like, there's nothing here. You're on your own, mm-hmm. you know? Sure. And then you you just have to, maybe it would mean like having to crank up like the base enemies and your, and lower your base health, yeah. but that'd be kind of a cool way to do. Yeah, no, I agree. That sounds, but again, that's I'm a not, start for I'm sure. I'm not a game developer, so maybe no. that wouldn't work at all. But yeah, maybe we're completely talking at our asses, but yeah, <laughs> it's so easy to talk about this shit, not code it for years. <laughs> Make it better eight years later. <laughs> <laughs> but uh i guess we can finally now let's get into the messy part of this game the plot the plot it is uh blew my mind yeah it used to blow my mind this plot i loved it i thought it was so oh, what no yeah way. i remember I, I remembered when i finished it this time i remembered the bad taste because when i first played this game in 2014 it ended and i was like that what and I Googled. did you not get it. No, I got it, but it, I mean, no. Actually, you know what? I probably didn't get it. And maybe what I'm also about to say about this game, maybe I just don't get it. Maybe I'm an idiot. I'm fully willing to like admit right that. Right now, you don't get it now. Yeah, but like, I feel like I've read enough and I've watched like 40 YouTube essays about this game, and I and like I get it. I just don't think it's well done. Why the plot? Yeah. Oh, you, you want me to go? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, it's, Go. it's, well, na- well, pacing wise, this whole back half of this game is a mess. Yeah. Like, so all over the place. we're going to run through the plot here very quickly for you, as far as I can remember. And please correct me at the end if I'm wrong, but okay. like, here's how it starts. You're you are Booker DeWitt. You have to go to this city in, in the sky called Columbia to find a girl so you can wipe away your debt, gambling. whatever the, w- gambling debt. Is it, does, does I it, lost it all in gambling. Do they specify gambling? Yep. He was a gambler. Okay. So gambling debt. Bring us the girl, wipe away the debt. It's repeated ad nauseum into your head. That's a great starting point for why you're in this. You know, and you don't know anything about Columbia. For some reason, Booker DeWitt in this world that he lives in has never heard of a giant floating city in the sky. Beyond me, how he hasn't heard of this, but okay, sure. So he has to go to well, Columbia. He, he gets brought over. 
another timeline. No, no, no. No, no, no. Hold on. That's Booker's from a different timeline. No, hold on. We're not there yet. <laughs> I'm talking about at what we know as the character right now, okay. starting the game. Okay. So you go to this world in the city in the sky, and you get and you go go fight through the town. For some, you see a big poster that says "Beware the False Shepherd," which has an AD tattoo on his hand. And Booker looks at him and he says, "I also have an AD tattoo. Huh. I should probably shouldn't cover that up or anything. That's probably a bad. That's fine. That's fine." So yada yada yada. Roll through. You find the girl, this lovely girl Elizabeth. She's wonderful. Yeah. She doesn't trust you right off the start, but you're gonna free her from her. She's literally a lady in a tower, being controlled by a giant mechanical bird called the Songbird. Damsel in distress. Classic trope. But you free her, she's all good, and you're gonna say, hey, we're gonna go to Paris. He's, he's lying to her, he's tricking her. But, you know, she's all she's all on board, gung-ho. Bunch of stuff happens, essentially. You fight through a bunch of rooms, and then it turns out, hey, we have to get off this floating city. We have to get an airship. I don't know why the cave's into the other smaller airships that are conveniently everywhere. everywhere <laughs> but I digress. They literally hop across a few airships to get to the That's airship. That's what I'm saying. You hop on airships to fight three guys and then hop off to go look for the bigger No, no, we need, we, we need the bigger airship. Okay, fine. We need the we need the bigger airship. It's a video game. Okay, I'm going to get the big airship. Uh, so, you, so to get that big airship, you need the help of these people called the Vox Populi, who kidnap you and they say, hey, if you want us to help you get the airship, you got to get us guns. Booker's like, all right, get some guns from a guy named Chen Lin. They're only all over the floor. Yep, but they want super special Chen Lin guns from a Chinese gunsmith in this city. Yeah. Okay, cool. We go to get the guns. Ah, shit. Chen Lin's dead. Can't get the guns. Conveniently, Elizabeth has this power to open up portals into other dimensions in which she can pull out guns when it's convenient or move you into them. Do you know how she got her power? We'll get into that. We're, we're, we're talking, we're taking this one point at time. I know <laughs> yeah, how. It's not subtle. <laughs> it's very clear. I know how. Okay, so I don't know why she doesn't open a portal to a dimension where they can just fucking live in Paris, but... Because she's getting sapped by the siphon. Oh, right, the siphon. It's only until the siphon gets destroyed that she's like, right, all right, right, I can oh, do yeah. whatever I want. Sure, now. sure. Fair enough. So anyway... The siphon. <laughs> you can open up this dimension where Chen Lin, who is apparently dead, is now alive in this alternate world. Okay, yes. but and but Booker's dead in that world. Hold, you're, you're jumping way. You're jumping like forty That's points ahead. No, 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 oh, not even close. The next step. So you go into this world and you find <laughs> Chen Lin, but he's all he's all bugging out because apparently if you live in one world but are dead in the other, then it's very hard and you get headaches and nosebleeds. Correct? Nosebleeds happen when you make up memories. Okay. <laughs> so whenever Booker gets a nosebleed, it's because he is. Um, finally learning the truth about a situation where previously he just was making up fake memories. Okay. Sure. Elizabeth gets them too in the DLC. <laughs> right. It's already getting confusing. People listening are probably like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> if, you never, if you've never played this game. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, and this is all to say, like, this is all stories, but the pacing of, like, all this happens so incredibly quickly that there, it, it feels like a whirlwind. And From the first, on, it gets really mad. It's like, we gotta move really fast. It's like, okay, you're in this alternate world where, yes, Booker DeWitt died as a martyr. He apparently got to Columbia in this world. Elizabeth's already dead, right? Or she's gone, he can't save her. She got taken back by... She got taken. Um, so she joins the Vox Populi, dies, becomes a martyr for their cause. So when he shows up back in this world, Daisy Fitzroy, instead of being like, oh, cool, Booker's left, she's like, you're a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta we gotta kill you <laughs> it's like okay we gotta jump back to the other world now to 
trans- like the, and it's by the, not even the other one it's the yeah, third one exactly and at this point the guns are forgotten by the way the guns the whole reason we did this is gone yeah. We still need the airship, Because though. they went to a third area where it didn't matter anymore. Well, Why didn't they just do where that Where it first? didn't matter anymore is like, the, is, like, the spark notes for this whole plot. And yeah. the whole... Anyway, but I guess sticking to the pacing, it's, just, it's, it's a whirlwind. It's a mess. It's an yeah. absolute mess. It And, like, this Disney ride comparison you use is very apt to think again. It literally is pulling you along. It's sort of like... it's. Have you seen... You haven't seen Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker? Yes, I have. Have you? Don't. It's bad. I haven't. I think I have, actually. It's really bad. I just don't remember But Star it's Wars literally, like, well. the whole point, like, that movie literally opens up, and for all my Star Wars fans out there, it literally is like, Emperor Palpatine has returned. It's never explained why. Right. He just is. That's boring. And they're like, don't think about it. Like, what about this? I ah, don't think about it. Like, that's, like, the whole back half of this game is, don't think about it. Just go on. It's a game. It's fun. It's fun. It's like, but also it's very serious. But it tries to take it serious. Well, that's what I'm saying. And then it's like, but actually think about all these details. But I'm like, do you want me to not think about the details? Do you want me to think about them? Because if I think about them, all this is stupid. But if I don't think about them, I might Mm -hmm. have fun. Like, the more I think about this game, the less it makes sense to me and the more angry it makes me. Not, I shouldn't say angry. It just makes me frustrated. Because, like, behind all this gobbledygook and (laughs) plot holes, there's a very solid third line that they just choose to ignore, Mm -hmm. I think, a lot of the time. So I don't know. Wait, like, what do you mean? What does that mean? Well, because like there's like so many, there's so many plot holes in this game that if they just like did one thing, it would like make me make a lot more sense to me. Like what? Then? For example, okay, so this is jumping ahead a little bit. So again, massive spoilers for Bioshock Infinite. They know. But at the end of the game, at the end of the plot, you find out that in all these alternate dimensions, where Elizabeth gets her power back and she can travel and jump to all these worlds, that in order to stop. Comstock from existing, because Comstock is Booker DeWitt, who you are playing as. She has to kill... There's a there's a seminal moment in Booker DeWitt's life after the battle at Wounded Knee, where he has a baptism. And in one reality, he accepts the baptism and becomes Zachary Comstock. Correct? Yeah. And in one reality, where he rejects well, the baptism... Well, also a million of those. Well, that's what I mean. And, like, well, that that's a, con- that's a constant, is that he gets whether... One of the constants. What's a variable? A variable, sorry. Whether he accepts or chooses from that spawns off a million different timelines. It's like a coin flip. Okay, fine. So so you're telling me that Booker DeWitt, as we know him, because we play as him, we know a lot about him. Yeah. We we understand his character. He's very superstitious. He doesn't trust people in authority. Yeah. You're telling me that in the one reality where this guy got baptized, he not only became a very a religious man, but a religious zealot who managed to also create a thriving utopia in the sky with the help of his scientist friend. Rosalind did like 99.9% of the work. Okay, that's fine. I don't buy that Booker... He's like the face to sell it. Sure. I don't buy that Booker DeWitt becomes Comstock just because he gets baptized. I don't buy it. doesn't make any sense to me. Well, that's that's another thing with this game is like, it try, like I, Ken Levine's done interviews and he's been like, you mm. can read into it however you want, but this game's obviously anti-religion. Like, the re- oh yeah well yeah like <laughs> it's not even yeah it's not subtle about it no but like he sometimes is like tuck and cheek like you can read into it how you want but like yeah the whole point of the like like comstock becomes a huge piece of shit after his baptism mm-hmm. like if you listen to his like um audio, lo- audio logs yeah so racist yeah. like he like not even like tongue and cheeky like he's like out crazy racist like he's crazy sexist he's a murderer he mm. is insane 
So it's kind of like, what do I, what am I going to take from that? Obviously. What's the difference between Booker and Comstock? He became religious. Religion corrupts. Like maybe religion via power corrupts. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, these, what are these, these like preachers who have jet planes, right? It's like the same energy. Sure. They figure out who knows if those kind of people even believe in what they're saying, but they know it makes the money. So they keep saying it. Yeah. So like he gets baptized. He, via this, he finds like a structure where he's supported not only by other religious people, but also government officials because America is still a Christian based system, especially in the early 1900s. Like a lot of American law is based off Christian ideologies. As much as we like to pretend it's not, it is. It needs, I think it needs to distance itself from that. But anyways, um, like, <laughs> anyways, that's all it's saying. The only difference is he becomes religious versus he doesn't. And that's what corrupts him. But it's not just that. It's also the power. And the reason that he becomes a prophet is because Rosalind creates this technology that can open tears. And he looks into tears and thinks he's seeing the future. Mm-hmm. But he's really just seeing other possibilities. Because that's, like, that's one of the Voxophone things, is Rosalind's like, this man is confusing possibility for for, for the future, for yeah. prophecy. So he right. looks into other worlds where he is, like, he sees a similar looking guy to himself, Comstock. It's another timeline where he got baptized and he looks like Comstock. Yeah. And he has the world in his palm and he's doing it amazingly. So he's always trying to obtain what he sees in the tears. Right. But he's not realizing that that's not the future. That's just you doing things. And it's almost like self-fulfilling prophecy where he wouldn't be doing those things unless he saw himself doing them. Mm-hmm. And it's the circle. That will... will the circle be unbroken? Bye, 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 bitch. It's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the whole, that's the whole theme of the thing is like, mm-hmm. is parallel universes inherently create circles where things keep happening. Sure. That's like the whole thing it's trying to say okay so it's like so he uses this techno and then like conveniently the technology makes him sterile and also ages him rapidly so that he doesn't look like booker anymore so like (laughs) when we look at him we're not like that's booker but with a slightly more beard Mm -hmm. he's like it looks like an old man yeah so it's killing him but he looked into a tear where elizabeth um took over his throne whatever and that's the reality he wanted so he made that happen Mm mm-hmm so, so, and then like, it, it's crazy. And then that's one of the realities we go to. Mm-hmm. So when yeah, Elizabeth's yeah. super old and she's standing in front of a burning city and she's like, this, you never came back for me, whatever. Mm. That's probably the tear that he looked into, right? Is like her bringing about the end of man, the Sodom below or whatever yeah, yeah. language he explains it. Sure. Is like, he just happened to look into a reality where that happens and so that's what he just keeps trying to do is make that reality happen, even though he doesn't realize that it's not a given. He has to do it, but he does it because he thinks it's a given. Okay. It's a circle. Okay. Let me stop you. That was a lot. That was great. That was very well put. Thank you. Wonderfully done. I still don't buy <laughs> <laughs> that Booker DeWitt, mm-hmm. as we the player, and mm-hmm. we're important in this equation, I think. I think we're important, yeah. We the player can buy... Booker DeWitt, the the rapscallion, gambling drunk, flies around on zip lines, was a soldier at the Battle of Wounded Knee, gets baptized, and becomes this person. And again, he looked into he looked into tears, like you're saying, and all this stuff. And this is a main problem with this game's writing. And Ken Levine is a talented writer. 
because Bioshock 1, he also wrote that game with some people, and he didn't write this game by himself either. But we'll use Ken Levine here as our as our sacrificial lamb, I guess, for how I'm going to rag on this game. Because it's such a mess. Are you the false prophet? Uh, he is. Ken Levine's the false oh, prophet. Shit. Because in Jason Trier's book, Press Reset, you should read it. It's really good. He talks about, like, this game was apparently changed every week. Like, it's a mess. Yeah. Like, there's interviews where, like, someone would design something, a level, a piece of dialogue, a mechanic. He went, that he go, that's great. Come back later, he's like, that's trash. Scrap it. Yeah. He was actually taken off this project at the end. Was he? Yeah, and they, had, they brought a guy in from 2K to be like, we gotta, we gotta put this game out. Because it would have been delayed forever. So that's probably the last half and how jumpy around he is. Sure, because like we got we got to get a game out here. Yeah. And considering how and this game should be said is very good. Like I have a, I had a good time playing it despite all my problems with it. Like it's yeah. a very competently made shooter. Yeah. Um, but it's a mess. It's it's so very clearly a scrapped together patchwork of ideas and mechanics that were left on the ground and narratively as well. I think because literally the last fifteen minutes of this game is Elizabeth dragging you through a bunch of realities, exp- like, doing what you just did to me, which is fine, but, like, it's literally... Word it, barf. Word barf. Like, oh, we gotta wrap it up. We gotta explain here. We gotta figure out what's going on. And, like, that's not good storytelling. I'm sorry. Like, I don't think so. Like, obviously, you need a little bit of, like, prose and dialogue, but mm-hmm. to have Elizabeth literally, oh, I figured it out. Hey, Booker, I got my powers. I can now conveniently explain to you how this is all gonna work. Yeah. Because now I can see into every reality. Every door. Every door. There's always a man. There's always a lighthouse. These are the constants and the variables they talk about. These are all really cool ideas in theory, and it ties thematically, obviously, into Bioshock 1, which we're talking about, like when you said this game is using nostalgia from Bioshock 1. Like, it is Bioshock 1. Zachary Comstock is Andrew Ryan. The songbird is the big daddy. Elizabeth is the little sister. Like, these are all these worlds. There's a city. There's a man. Yada, yada, yada. That's all good. It just, it's not told in a way that was like, engaging for me personally. Like, in order to get, like, how many YouTube videos and essays did you have to read? To, did you get all that from just playing the game, what you just told me? Um, no, that was, like, in combination with reading all the Voxophone yeah. things, which yeah. I just did this afternoon to, like, refresh. Sure. And, like, reading, like, Reddit threads and, and stuff like that. And I'm not saying a game, like... I'm the guy who loves Dark Souls who reads descriptions on daggers to get the lore from a game. Yeah. Like, that's fine. If that's what your primary mode of lore dumping is. But this game is so clearly trying to tell you something with all its dialogue, with its characters, with, you know, these, like, you know, these choices you have, right? Like, I think we haven't really talked about the Rosalind twins all that much. I love The the Toos twins. Yeah, they're great characters. They're there at the start, and they keep showing up. I want to talk about them. Yeah, we'll talk about them, because... But I guess I want to talk about their choice they offer you. They bring because there's, there's a couple choices in this game, right? The whole point is that there's none. Well, that's that's and that ties into the themes of Bioshock One. Like a man chooses, a slave obeys. Yeah. You only get to choose at the end when you break free of the "Would you kindly" spell or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, talk about the twins. I'm curious what you have to say about them. I love the twins. I think Rosalind's like the coolest character in this game, and she gets zero attention because mm-hmm. she. The, they're like there's so much interesting backstory to them too. That I think yeah. they could have spent more time on. And then in turn, once you know how that relationship works between the two of them, mm-hmm. you appreciate the game more. Like, sure. And like, even like when I was rewatching scenes and stuff, I was like, now that I know how they interact with the story, I like this game more. And I wish they spent more time focusing on them because 
the whole thing with those two is they call each other brother and sister, but they're not. No. They're the same person from a different timeline. The only difference is Robert doesn't have, has a different chromosome. Like, that's the only difference, and they yep. make fun of that a lot of times. Yep. So Robert is in Booker's timeline, and yep. Rosalind's in Comstock's timeline. Sure. So, essentially, what happens is they both become physicists in each of their own timelines, and they're both geniuses. They're essentially the same person. They just were one was born. The only co- variable is one was born a man and one was born a woman. That's yeah. like the thing. So they both start working on this like project as physicists, where they're um, altering an atom and it's jumping between parallel universes, mm-hmm. and they're working on it at the exact same time. And then they realize that someone else is doing it at the same time, and they start Morse code talking via the atom, via one atom. Right. So they start going like beep, 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 and like talking to each other through the atom mm-hmm. until they reach a point where they advance the tech towards they can make tears. So they make tears. They're the pr- first people to ever make tears, is, yeah. the, is those two. Sure. So then they come together. Rosalind's working for the only way Rosalind could advance her tech was to work with Comstock mm-hmm. um, because he wanted a way to look into the future. Like future, which she kind of like shadily told him, oh, through these tears I'll make, mm-hmm. which is really not the future; it's different possibilities. But so she uses him to fund it, um, and that's kind of why she owes him one, where he's sterile from using the machines to make prophecies and become like a better prophet. Yep. Um, so he can't have a baby with Lady Comstock. Mm-hmm. He finds out that there's a Booker in the past. That he can go to to take Anna, which is technically his kid. Because he's still, like, very religious fundamentalist. Like, he still wants it to be his bloodline, right? Like, Anna yeah. is as much, like, his bloodline as a kid in his own timeline. Sure. So he says, I'll just go take her. And so Rosalind and Robert work together to take Anna from mm. Booker's timeline to Comstock so he can have an heir. Because he saw a prophecy where she was... It was just a reality, but they're essentially making it themselves when they see it. Okay. It, it's kind of like how Fry's his own grandfather because he was trying to find someone, trying to get his grandfather to sleep with his grandma. Yeah. And then he buy him, you know, buy him sick, whatever. It's like self-fulfilling. That, oh, that's so, I think that's cool. Okay, great. That's all cool. How does that make the game better? Because when you... Cause <laughs> yeah, great character. I'm not disagreeing yeah, with you on that. I'm a, just... It's an interesting situation. And then the whole thing with them is like... Uh, Comstock murders them because he finds out that they essentially are like going behind his back and whatever. But then since they're like moving around so much, it doesn't really... That's why they keep like hopping in and jumping out or whatever and, mm-hmm. and jumping around. And so all the times... Like that's like explains why they're so like ethereal and weird and jumping around. But all the times where it offers you choice, they're always there with like, you know, when they say do the coin flip or like bird or cage or whatever, they're they're like keeping track on a notepad Mm -hmm. because to them, it's all a science experiment. They're just trying to see what you do in this reality. And if you don't work, they'll go get another booker and they'll do it again. Sure. So they're really just keeping track and doing science. Right. Because that's the implication. Like every time like you die in this game it's actually like a new booker like takes your place or whatever is like sort of like one yeah. of them. but like i don't think they ever like imply that very outwardly but no like, you could think that sure it's just that like that's where all like because the whole like this has happened so many times that's why they have like their board with all like the yeah yeah so they say heads or tails and he gets heads for like the 15th time in a row and they're like mm-hmm. hmm. 
So they're trying to figure out what are the variables and what are the constants. It's literally like you're just in their science experiment. Right. And they're just, and that makes it more, I think that makes me go, oh, that's kind of cool. And like bird or cage, it's like, it's like you're the player choice, but. There is no choice. There is no choice. It's just like whatever you choose is going to be with the game. Thanks. Yeah, and that's and that's sort of like that's cool. a meta commentary on the narrative of games as well, which I appreciate. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, they're great. They're great characters. I wish there was more of them, for sure. And it's like a lot of their the reason that I'm thinking about them a lot today is because I was just reading all the Vox phone things, and they're yeah. in, like her talking is a lot of them. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And I don't know. She was just cool. She had a lot of cool commentary in the background and explained a lot of like it's. It's almost like there was a lot of forethought into into the world building in that aspect. And yep. then apparently with all the turmoil that happened in the later part, like it all just kind of like, oh, we can't really explain it properly. Like just have her walk around in front of some lighthouses and make it seem trippy. Right. Like, and that's why like this ending is so it was disappointing to me in 2014. It's disappointing to me now like that. You're literally being word barfed at and escorted through a bunch of rooms and then you die. And then you go, and you have, then you have to like Google a bunch of stuff to think about. Like that's lame to me. And then, but then I was excited to <laughs> play. Was, it blew my mind. I was like, yeah, of course it blew your mind because wow. you were eighteen and like, yeah. <laughs> and and that's not to say like you can't you can't be like you can't appreciate it at that age or something. But yeah. it just it this game, for lack of a better term, like smell of its own farts. I think a little bit too much, and maybe that's too coarse. That's but super fair. But like. And then I was excited because this is the first time I've ever played the DLC. Okay. We'll talk about the DLC here a little bit. I never played Burial Tea because I wasn't buying DLC. I didn't have the money for it back in the day. So when I played this complete edition, I was like, oh, I play DLC. And the DLC was like, just wait. The DLC explains everything. It's going to explain everything. No, it does. It adds more questions. It does add way more questions. (laughs) And it makes it way more confusing. Because the whole point of the end of the game is that Elizabeth is finally closing the loop by killing Booker at the time where he can become himself or becomes Comstock, yeah. right? That's the whole thing. At the end, all the Elizabeths disappear. Except, but it's even weird then because there's what you, the post credits is like Booker walking into a crib with a baby in it. So maybe like, so all the Bookers didn't die because then the baby's still here. Well, the Bookers didn't die. The Comstock line dies. Booker dies anyway. That's the whole point of why she has to drown him. She drowns the one who accepts the baptism. There's That's, still... But that, but that, but every, but... That's the whole point of why all these alternate Elizabeths disappear is because when Booker's being drowned, then at that moment, he just dies. But there's moments before where he might have not even walked in to think about getting baptized. The point where Comstock... Well, this is why this game doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> the threat of Comstock starts the baptism. Yeah. But Booker existed before that. Of and, course. And could have various other tangents that occur before. So Booker could continue in various other... No, 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 no. only starts at the... Nope. There. I refuse to believe that. It doesn't make any sense to me. That's, what do you mean that makes total sense? It doesn't make any... Because the whole point of why she has to drown you at that moment when he's getting baptized is because that's... She has to stop him from ever existing. That also snuffs out, like, a lot of potential not-awful people... But it for sure snuffs out Comstock. But but that's fine. But, but Booker you, also dies. There. There's no realities where Booker gets to live. Then our Booker. But what? Well, who's our Booker? A Booker who went to Wounded Knee was thinking about getting baptized, didn't. Like that also snuffs out that timeline. Booker, you have to realize that there's potential. There's infinite. Oh yeah, I get, it's, I get I get the title of the game. <laughs> it says, just because I can explain it, I know. But no, the, but the whole, I thought the whole point of the ending of this game is that, like, 
she's eliminating that variable, the variable of Comstock, yes? That's why she drowns him? Yes, and that so also... So it's not like just one half of him dies, the Comstock half. It's only... Because you're getting too focused on what we see. There's also tons of bookers that never went to Wounded Knee. Or tons of bookers that you see, died th- when they were five years well, this, old. These are the plot holes I'm talking about. So, like, the, what's the point of any of this? None of... It's stupid. But, but Why like, are you defending it, then? <laughs> no, because you said... So, I was just clarifying what you said about, like, how that killed every... Like, Booker can't ever exist past that point. There's tons of other Bookers that could have existed up to that point. Yeah, up to that point. I'm saying after that point. This... Well, I guess, but not What do like, you mean you guess? They died. <laughs> Our Booker <laughs> oh died. This game is and so And lots stupid. of other Bookers exactly like him died. Yeah. But there's also tons of other Bookers who could have lived. and From the drowning. Who, well, that snuffed out those timelines. Yes. But there was maybe even a booker who that day wore a red shirt and didn't go get baptized. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's so stupid. No, I don't know what you mean. I, 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 I thought, I thought stupid. Booker is the booker getting baptized is a constant. Isn't that the whole point of why she has to kill him? I, that doesn't make any sense about parallel universes. Well, there you go. It's constant <laughs> and variables. The constant is like the variables are the the lives he lives. The constant is he gets baptized. If there, well, constant to the point if you're just trying to snuff out a specific character, aka Comstock. No, but it's not just. But like that's the whole reason. It's stupid. I agree. It's super dumb. (laughs) Anyway, the DLC (laughs) is essentially. It's so confusing. That was a huge tangent about. I feel like we're saying the same thing, but we're not agreeing on it, which bothers me. He's dead. Yeah, yes. I know. <laughs> oh, okay, let's move but on. But apparently in the DLC, Burial at Sea, which brings you back to Rapture, which is wonderful. It's cool to be in Rapture again, because that's a way better, more interesting world than Columbia. Yeah. You're there, apparently there's one agree. there's one booker who lived because this, this, That makes no sense. This well, this is the Straight thing. Straight up, that makes sense. This no one booker sides, you know what? I'm not gonna. I'm gonna go to Rapture, this underwater city, and become a private detective. Well, I'm gonna shave my beard, and I'm not gonna be Comstock anymore. I'm gonna be Booker DeWitt, Private Eye. In in this, so this is a timeline where this Comstock, when he was pulling, and it's important here, he did become Comstock. Yeah, but he was the, Comstock. But then he went to Rapture. It was, and the only difference between that timeline and the Comstock we played in Infinite is when Elizabeth got pulled. Yeah. Her head got chopped off instead of her pinky. Right. That's the only variable. Yeah. So that's a pretty big fucking variable because it means she died, though. Yes. So he, Comstock, feels crazy guilt over that mm-hmm. instead of becoming, because that, that ultimately, that makes, I mean, that kind of makes sense with his character arc because now he knows for sure he can't achieve that future where she's with him. So he just gives up on it all. He's like, I right. thought that was the prophecy. Oops, she's dead. So that clearly isn't right. So he asks the Lutes twins to send him somewhere. To a different world, which he, Rapture and, is. And it erases his memory. Because Rapture and Columbia can't exist at the same time. They're two different... I don't know about that. Well, that's the whole thing, is that, like, because he sends them to the... Re- he sends them to the reality <laughs> because the constant of the man in the lighthouse is Andrew Ryan in Rapture. I, I don't know how many Raptures there are. We only ever see the one. Well, isn't it... Are, aren't they kind of tongue-in-cheeking saying it's a different Rapture because... Sally isn't a little sister. Like, there's no blonde... No, Sally is a little sister. But there's no blonde little sister in the Bioshock game we play. But there is... Well, no, they retconned reality. it in Bioshock Infinite. It's a retcon. They what? They re- oh, you, do, you not, do you not know about retcons? No. <laughs> it's just like, 
Okay, well, this is the end of the DLC. The whole point of why Elizabeth goes to this <laughs> world. We're so angry. The, the Elizabeth, which is the same Elizabeth from the end of Bioshock Infinite, the one we did our whole journey with, yes? Yes. <laughs> no, it's not, is it? Because well, it has to be, because there's not... only there's only one left. The Elizabeth who brought Booker back to be drowned the, in that timeline. The Elizabeth who dies. The Elizabeth who's missing her pinky. Who they... There's someone listening to this in their car, and I was like, what the <laughs> fuck are they talking about? <laughs> Crank it up and roll your windows down so we can yell. There's Elizabeth who lost her pinky, which the game leads us to believe is the one that we're familiar with, dies. Remember when she sees her body and she's dead, and then she goes, "I'm just a normal girl." Right, because 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 you can't can't, if you're alive and dead in two worlds, you get all fucky. Well, it's more that she doesn't have her power anymore. Yeah, yeah. Because the reason she has her power is because her pinky's in one dimension and her body's in another. Right. It's essentially like Death Stranding with the Han Ka thing. Oh, okay. Your body's in two different places, so it lets you have this magical power that lets you fuse between the two of them. Anyway, the point of a retcon is that, like, (laughs) essentially... Yeah, bitch. Bye, baby. Retcon. Let me. Well, you asked what a retcon was. I know. It's just funny. I was like, went on a tangent. You're like, because erase all that. Anyway, the whole point of Barely Let's See is that Elizabeth's going back to finish off this last Comstock. Is like the whole point of episode one is that you have to get rid of the last Comstock so the loop can finally be closed. Yeah. And then it turns out, for some reason, the He's... loop can only be closed if the events of Bioshock, the first game, happened. So for that to happen, you have to save a little sister and give the bad guy from the first Bioshock the code to activate the good guy from the first Bioshock. I don't think she's she's aware of like this the loop that would be created with Bioshock. I think she just no, felt... she is because she can see all the doors. No, but I think she, she doesn't see the doors till the end. Right. She can't because she doesn't have her powers. The reason that she <laughs> fucking hell, this is the worst. The reason that she even cares is because she feels she's a human being and she feels guilty that she essentially screwed over this little girl. Because as much as she hates Comstock, this Comstock was trying to do some good and save a little right, girl. Yes. So when she kills him preemptively, the little girl gets screwed, gets taken by Atlas, aka Frank Fontaine, and then the bad she, guy from the first Bioshock. And it's purely from her action that that happens. If yes. she had not influenced it, she might, that might have not happened. So she feels insanely guilty. So then she starts to try to get Sally back, sure, because she feels bad. Yes, she doesn't care that there's like a hundred other little sisters also suffering similar fates. No, she just cares about saving Sally because she's the one that put that into action, and she feels bad. Like she very much considers things in a means of what does her what did her action cause and that's her fault instead of like producing good in the world mm-hmm. in general i guess it, you can't really think about that when there's infinite worlds you can't make infinite good that'd be insane you know, it just occurred to me we were talking earlier about the grander critique of in this game is about people like trying to take power things for themselves where like elizabeth's final act is doing something for somebody else which is a nice yeah. little thorough line i just thought about that that's actually pretty good yeah. i like that that's cool Sorry, continue. That just came to my head right then. So the game's good. No, it's not. I mean, it is. The thing is, the game is good. The plot's yeah, a mess. Yeah, it's weird because I like it, but it's Me also too. so messy. It's a mess. It's just like, that's right, It's a mess, but we love and it. And like, obviously, like, it's cool to be in Rapture again and to have that nice little bow on like, this is how Bioshock 1 happens. They just wanted to do more Bioshock, bro. Well, yeah, it's they fine. And like, I think a large different. critique of Bioshock Infinite at release was like, like, well, we miss Rapture. And why wouldn't you? Rapture is so cool and iconic. And you're back in Rapture, and it's great, and you see Andrew Ryan, and you go, and you do, you got the wrench, it's great. You get the same vigors, you got the same guns, it's awesome. 
but it's just like it's like it's a weird it's like a awfully convenient i guess for the dlc to be like and that's how it was elizabeth the whole time she's the whole reason the first bioshock happens you know what i also noticed with the burial at sea stuff is like mm-hmm. if we go back to the little narrative distance stuff really yeah. quick i get it's super annoying and like we don't put that much weight into that critique whatever it's just you know whatever yeah um but you can totally tell they took that to heart in the in the dlc more than even infinite mm-hmm. like it's almost like they when infinite came out i would imagine i'm trying to remember what people were writing about but i would imagine people critiqued it a little bit again it's like you did the same thing where the yeah. plot doesn't really match the gameplay very much and it kind of takes me out of it a little bit like i think sure. let's, let's take away the buzzword of ludo narrative distance just like sometimes i get taken out of the game when the characters act weird in the game versus the cutscenes. that's just something that can happen all the time oh yeah and so i think they like really paid attention more to that in the dlc because mm-hmm. they really take the time to be like like i literally was just listening to all the cutscenes yeah. an hour ago mm-hmm. they really take the time to be like i'm elizabeth and i'm not a killer this is making me uncomfy to be in this fighting situation mm-hmm. how six guys are about to come in the room how am i gonna kill them i don't like killing i don't like killing and the whole time she's killing she's screaming like mm-hmm. when someone attacks her she like properly screams and is like ah! like runs away sure like it sounds like a person who's never fought before is fighting and it's almost like they're like you want you want symbiotic relationship between gameplay and narrative here it is bitch and they like really gave it to you there and it's like and then they even tie that into like the game like like the plot so like if you're not familiar with barely at sea and you want to know like you wouldn't be this far if you were worried about spoilers (laughs) yeah so daisy fitzroy is kind of like the leader of the vox populi and in the main game, she kills uh, Fink. Yeah, Jeremiah Fink. She kills Fink, um, and you see her do that. And Fink has a young son with him too. And Daisy like is about to kill the young son, and this upsets um, Elizabeth so much that she actually kills Daisy. And like up to this point, Elizabeth's very anti-violence. She's like, mm-hmm. I hate that you use violence to get the means to your end like i don't agree with this at all like i hate this i hate this and she like communicates that a bunch of times but then she finally does kill daisy because she it's such a drastic act of violence to kill a child that she's like i have to step in like this is this is so bad that i'm gonna step in and kill somebody right so like in the game in the in infinite you kind of just think it's kind of gross that they made daisy's character do that it's whatever but, and then they almost, like, backtrack. And in Barely at Sea, you, like, are privy to a conversation that Daisy has with the Lutest twins where they tell her um, Daisy needs to be killed by Elizabeth so that Elizabeth be- can become a killer to then set a bunch of other things in action. Because mm-hmm. the Lutest twins can also see all the doors and see what's going to happen. And they know this is the only way that Elizabeth yep. will essentially get familiar with violence to the point that she's comfortable doing it to other people besides someone who's about to kill a child so daisy is like oh shit okay i'll pretend that i'm gonna kill a kid so that she kills me because this is ultimately gonna better the vox populate down the road yeah is what the lutests tell her sure and that's like also trying to circumvent these like critiques i think is like elizabeth wouldn't kill someone only if it was like really drastic and then she becomes desensitized to violence and is more a like willing to kill people because she got the band-aid ripped off of that first time Mm -hmm. you know like it still doesn't really make sense like just because you kill one person doesn't mean you go out and kill a thousand but like it it weakens the like critique a little bit it's like elizabeth killed one person under dire circumstances so now she might do it more 
right. like an easier sell than like she's never killed anyone and here she is killing a thousand people. Mm-hmm. I feel like they thought about that shit a do, lot more. In do the you DLC. feel it's like a little overcompensating though? Yeah. Oh. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah. like I think about obviously the big. It's like backtracking. Like we meant to do this all along. You mm-hmm. guys just didn't let us finish talking yet. Is like what it kind of yeah. sounds. Like feels the prime like. example I think of is like in Uncharted. Right? Is that Nathan Drake? Fun-loving, wise-cracking, literally murders hundreds of people, yeah. right? And that's Tomb Raider too. Tomb Raider, but like, and, and yeah, that. and it's always the thing where it's like, and like, literally, Naughty Dog had a trophy on Charter Four that was called Ludo Narrative Distance for killing a thousand people. Yeah. So like, they're like, they're like, we don't care, like no. whatever. And it's that's fine. It's a video game, it's and a video like, game. and that's fine. And video games can be, and there's some games that like make statements about violence and video games in a very interesting and you know, uh, complex way. Maybe we'll be our next game. We'll talk, we'll talk about it then. Oh, but uh, tease. tease a big tease. But this game, I think, is like that. Seems like a little, but like, yeah, it's interesting. But it seems like a little over, overly compensating to me. Like, I feel I like Elizabeth would be like, "Hey, Elizabeth, they're gonna kill you, so shoot them." You're like, "All right." Yeah, like, and any rational human would do that. Yeah, like splicers. Like, I don't need a reason to want to kill a splicer if I see him coming at me. Like, well, it's either him or me. Yeah, that's human instinct. Yeah, I guess. I just, yeah. yeah, they really, yeah. And it's interesting that you only kind of get that notion if you're familiar with, like, the history around this game where that yeah. was so something that people were talking about in 2007. Mm-hmm. And, like, that coined the phrase. Yeah. If that even is a phrase. Oh, yeah, no, it was a big deal. And, like, they talk about that in the book as well. It's, you know, Irrational worked really hard to make this game something. And then as soon as this game came out, it was a big success, and they shut him down. Mm-hmm. And Ken Levine currently has been working on a game since 2016 that has still not come out. So I think that's a bigger statement about him than anything else that he can't. I think that dude is really talented and he wants to like make really cool stuff, but he just can't. He needs like an editor. It's so hard to make. That's easy for us to say. Yeah, Yeah, that's like the thing. Whenever I'm talking about games, I'm like, I'm also not a game developer. I have no idea what goes into making something like this. Yeah. But I do know stories. I do know plot. And I feel like of anything, I feel like I can critique plot the most. Like, I don't know how to code graph, like, you know, code game mechanics. I don't know how complicated game mechanics can get and how intricate they are before they're too convoluted for the player to enjoy and all these kind of intricacies towards that. I know story. Oh, yeah. I got some degrees in... I've read a lot of literature in my life, yeah. How to write proper story and what a good story arc is and the hero's journey and all that nonsense. Yeah. And this game's story is just like... I think it could have been a lot better. They're so they clearly were setting it up to be something really cool that I think would play with the twins more. I think the twins should have had a w- way bigger role in the ending. Yep. And instead, they were just like shepherds that led you to it a little bit and didn't really get to talk. Like yeah. they, they, the twins put everything in. Pl- the twins are the reason that this is a story. Right. And they're really just like puppetry things that like make you feel weird sometimes. Like they're just kind of chucked yeah. in there randomly to be For like, sure. what's going on, anyways. I think the twins should have been the conclusion instead of so focused on Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this game sort of has like an interesting, and obviously like a big critique about Bioshock 1 is like the really lame boss fight at the end against a giant super blue man that mm. feels very out of place and feels very video gamey, yeah. <laughs> um, for lack of a better term. And this game has doesn't have a boss fight, it kind of says like you're on that, you're on the ship and you get command of Songbird and he takes out the blood but you're essentially just fighting a it's bunch a of dudes and then and then and then and then the railroad ends you to the end of the game and then it just kind of ends it definitely feels like we got to wrap this up kind of thing and the dlc while being cool dlc and a lot of fun and mechraft is great just kind of feels like adding more questions that the more i think about it they just wanted to go back to rapture yeah and Which, it, fair enough. it makes it's it more messy there. than it needed to i think is my whole thing with it 
Yeah. It's like, it's a fun tie in one. Like, obviously it's great. Like, Hey, look, it all, it all came together in the end. Right. Like it's all, it's all been leading to this. Cause like infinite feels disjointed from one, I think until that one scene at the end where like you do end up in rapture to watch songbird die. You're like, Oh cool. Rapture. Like neat. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it that feels... could have been it. That could have been all the tie it needed. That, well, yeah, because like it still gets the point of lighthouses and constants and variables and men who run the big cities. It gets it across. But yeah, I don't know. That's kind of the whole game. It's uh, <laughs> yeah, we got heated there. Want to do some listener questions? <laughs> we got heated. Yeah, real heated. Let me check my notes. Do you have yeah? Do you have anything else you want to say if we're gonna end them? Um, something interesting that I, this didn't, this didn't really isn't something I could have brought up at any point. It was just something I thought about. Sure. Um, there was one Voxophone thing from Rosalind. Again, Rosalind is the best character. And she was talking about how time is an ocean and not a river. And that, like, that one quote is, like, so interesting in the context of, like, this game. Mm-hmm. If I could explain more. So it's like... Please. They use the river, like the reason he gets baptized in a river, I think, is because, and again, they could have done so much more with this imagery and made it more interesting. If you're familiar with Steven Universe. No one is. I am. (laughs) I'll put lots of footage right here of what I'm talking about. I love Steven Universe. Garnet has um, this power called Future Vision, where she can see possibilities and then they tangent off. And the way that they kind of communicate that in like an easy to understand kid way is like rivers. And, like, if you block one river, all it does is just flow and become a different river or whatever. Like, rivers are very commonly used as a way to communicate, like, time and, like, yep. changes in time and different possibilities or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, I think it's interesting that they made it that Comstock is created in a river because a river can part two ways. Like, I think that's really interesting imagery and I think sure. that's an interesting oh, yeah. take. And they don't play, like, they don't even play into that at all. Like, that, oh, like, I love that. Yeah. And it's like, time really is like an ocean. And if you're thinking about parallel universes, this game thinks about time as a river when it should think about it as an ocean, which is why I think we're getting so mad. And and why, because, like, as soon <laughs> you're as... You're getting mad. I'm not getting mad. We were getting mad. You were getting mad, too. Yeah. When you think about time as a river, it's so easy to be like, I'll... There's a timeline where I'm the exact same, but I have green eyes. And there's a timeline where I'm this blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And, you like, our brains aren't good at concepting infinity, but time is really like an ocean. It's like if I go into a different timeline and change something, it's just going to re- be replaced by a different timeline where the only difference is my toenail is one millimeter longer. Like there's infinite, 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 infinite situations forever. Like, and we just can't think about it that way. Yeah. So we like to think about time as a river, especially in sci-fi media like this, because it's so easy to be like, pink, pink, oh, now I'm over here. And like this game is like, you're in one river and now you're in this one where Chenley's alive and now you're in this one where Booker's dead and now you're in this river but it's not like that. It's like a huge thing that just is constantly going shh. And like the fact that you're hopping around doesn't mm-hmm. change the fact that it's this huge thing that can't be contained. It can't be understood. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think it's interesting that Booker dies the same way Comstock dies, even in his own timeline. Like he's always killed by holy water. Yep. Either in the river with the baptism or in that pensive looking thing yep. in his thing mm-hmm. and it's like this whole thing of water like water affecting t- being time and affecting things sure he's always snuffed out by water oh yummy but like they don't <laughs> i don't know again potentialities like that could have been something really interesting there's a timeline where they did that more interestingly and it was more of a theme throughout and it was more of an interesting 
cohesive element to the plot that I think could have been really cool. I don't know. It still sounds like you dislike this game more than I do. <laughs> I I like it to the point that I want to be better. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Because there's a lot it's of potential like I'm here. like, toss it away. Get out of here. No. I'm like, oh, it, it's, it's getting there. And I wish it got... I wish it... It's, got a little higher. It feels to me that Bioshock 1 was and is a certified classic. Mm-hmm. And by virtue of not a lot of games at that time were trying to do what it was and like dealing with the politics it was and the themes it was. And Bioshock 1 arguably has the greatest twist in all the video games, as yeah. far as I'm concerned. Like the would you kindly twist. Every time I play Bioshock 1, I'm like, it gets me every time. Like, I'm like, man, it's good. That like, it's really good, good every time. Yeah. Because it's just, and, and also, it also plays again with that meta narrative of, like, why do you do what you do in the video game? Someone tells you to do it. Yeah. What? Hey, go there because the map told you to go there. Go there because Atlas tells you to go there. That's, like, what you do. Yeah. And it's so good. And I think it just, when they saw what, like, we got to go bigger. We got to go bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And I think... I would have settled for another Bioshock because Bioshock Two, which we haven't talked a lot about, I don't, I don't know how familiar you are with Bioshock Two. I don't remember anything. I played it, but I don't remember. Great game, very similar to Bioshock One. Has like very, it's like it's not nearly as interesting narratively, mm-hmm. but it's kind of just like, hey, it's Rapture again. It's, de- it's dealing more with another kind of subset of politics, um, but it's just another smaller, self-contained, interesting story with a cool twist. I think would have done this game a lot of good instead of trying to be this huge huge thing because it's trying it tries to be so big but still seems so small in the shadow of its predecessor i think yeah it's hard because they hit gold so quick well yeah and like obviously a lot of games aren't as good as bioshock one most games aren't as good as bioshock one no but i think and it's i think bioshock infinite is interesting in that it it copies and pastes enough that you still feel like you're playing bioshock but you Mm -hmm. also don't I think that's a very hard balance to, to teeter. Yeah, it feels like Bioshock, like I think. But it also doesn't, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I think that's, the, they should get some credibility for that, because that must be hard. I don't know yeah. how they did that. Like, for sure. Like, to take, if I was to take, what's a, you know, what's a game example, like a Mario game, yeah. and just, like, completely change it up, and, like, and it still feels like Mario. Mm-hmm. That's a bad example, because Mario does that all the time. Well, like, a recent example maybe like, Pokemon Legends Arceus, right? Like, sure. it feels like Pokemon, it is Pokemon. But it's so different. But it's very different. But enough that, like, yeah, I get what you're going for. Yeah, I think that's interesting. Um, I guess, before we get into listener questions, here's, here's I got one question I want to pose to you. Because oh. there's been a lot of rumors about a new Bioshock that's mm-hmm. being worked on somewhere one of these 2k studios that have the rights to it yeah what do you think a fourth bioshock game looks like space space bioshock okay i mean where else can they go they got underwater they got in the sky i'm like i don't know like a final frontier baby because like i wonder if like if a fourth bioshock like does it have to be about a big city that fell apart because like that's there's always a man and there's always a city i wonder if they try to get away from that in the next bioshock maybe it's smaller maybe it's more self-contained who knows i'm just curious because do you think they almost wrote themselves in a corner with that last game well like ken levine i think is quoted like he wanted this to be like the final game like this yeah. is the end because like he had nothing to do with bioshock 2 either like the bioshock 1 and bioshock infinite were him and his team mm-hmm. and they don't want like i don't think they want another, like another bioshock 2 but it's gonna happen because they have the license um sounds like you're about to cry yeah i'm just like trying to hold in a cough excuse <laughs> me uh, but I, I'm curious, like, <laughs> do people even, like, in in the wake of Bioshock Infinite, in the wake of how shooters are now, and shooters have, like, 
got so much more varied. Like, you can still have your Call of Duties, but you'll, then you have your Dooms, which are returned to, like, more frantic, fun-paced, yeah. unrealistic shooters and stuff like Shadow Warrior and then, like, more realistic Sims, like Stalker or something. Yeah. Like, where where does Bioshock fit in in 2024 or whenever it comes out? I'm curious. I'm serious to see how it goes. I'm going to play it. I mean, he has a lot more to talk about with... Well, he's, he's like, not making it, Ken Levine. Or, you know, the studio. Yeah. Like, Bioshock could be more of a commentary on t- today's world, I think, now. Like, maybe if it takes a kind of tech approach to, you know, society and how technology is affecting society, that might be an interesting route sure. to take, and it's not something they've done yet. Because I really think a lot, it, a lot of Bioshock Infinite kind of... It feels like it's coming around now, like... The patriotism in Bioshock Infinite is really frustrating to see because you almost want to scream at the people, like, why are you so blind to this world you live in? It's clearly corrupt. It's clearly awful. Like, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But that happens every day in America and in Canada, too. We yeah. have the trucker convoy that's driving around saying that they think that they have more freedom than someone who doesn't want to go to the hospital. It's like, you, it's frustrating. And these people exist. These people, oh, yeah. and you, you try to think, like, oh, it's just a fun sci-fi game where everyone believes in a crazy man in the sky with a white beard it's like that's america now guys a little bit like it's it's it exists in these spaces and then when you see it in a game it's like that's when you kind of want that's when i want it to be more right because it's like you almost experience similar situations to what this game portrays Mm -hmm. like extreme patriotism um, that feuds its, fuels its way into nationalism, which in turn, you know, creates systemic racism and like really corrupt capitalist societies. Like yeah. that is something that happens in Infinite, yeah. and it happens in America right now. Like that mm-hmm. happens, and I want the commentary to like take me somewhere, and some it just kind of doesn't. But like, if they were to t- try again, I like like I hate to be like, don't try again. Like I just like hate that kind of like. Approach, yeah, yeah, like try again. Like I, th- like if they have the money and they're excited to do it, try again and watch it be the best one. Watch mm-hmm. it be the, you know, it comes out and it has this interesting take and it and it has more time to develop these ideas and there's not as much development hell nonsense going on and they, yeah. you know, and there's good writers behind it. It could be the best one because Bioshock One is by no means a perfect piece of media. Oh either. no 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 nothing is. But but games don't have that. And everyone always says, like, Bioshock was the one that got close to, like, the, like, like, oh, it's, it's the cream of the crop. Like, when you think of a game and it's, like, the best of the best, like, people a lot of times point to Bioshock, but it's not quite, it's almost there, right? Like, to the mm-hmm. point that it's so good that it warrants, like, that Ludo Narrative Dissonance article from 2007 said, like, it's so close to being Citizen Kane, but it's not. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's kind of an annoying analogy. But you know what I mean? Like, Dark Souls already says Citizen Kane of Gaming. So. <laughs> I played it. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I played it so that I can tell Everybody you that. Everybody no, stands it's up and they, they, the, they do the clap. <laughs> I'll put that in the For, for Dark Souls. Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess is actually the Citizen Kane of video games. In this essay, I will dictate. In this essay. You know, it's. Yeah, like, yeah I get what you're saying. It's this, I, and I hate comparing games to movies because they're not movies. Also, no, like it's this they're whole not. Thing. That's what's great about them. But like this accumulation of interactivity with imagery and story and world is like there's not quite a game I think that exists that really reaches that pinnacle of like 
the story and the world and the gameplay are like perfectly mixed and like things you do in the gameplay make you feel better about this story which in turn makes you feel better about the world which makes you feel better at the gameplay and circle 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 like there's so many interesting ways game development go we're literally in the start of it it's only existed mm. for like 30 years you're right you're right it's not dark souls you're right it's dark souls too and probably <laughs> and bloodborne and like like i think we always forget that games just freaking started yeah they're it's a young medium just because we were born when they started doesn't mean that they're so old. you wanted bioshock infinite to be the game you're describing but it's not no no and that's not fair to me to say that it's just that like people often point to it as like that's the one uh-huh. that was like well i mean really it, close it tried and a lot of games don't try a lot of games are content being just fun jumping on goombas yeah. and that's fine too like i don't need all my games to make me google four hours of youtube videos to understand yeah but i like when they do and i like when they try and i think and as, I as much as i again. rag on the story's plot i i applaud it for trying for I, sure i want them to try again i want i hope so too i hope ken levine's next game is the best game ever made i doubt it will be but i hope it is <laughs> should we get into listener questions let's go into listener listener questions, questions. right now Alright, so our first one is from Level Zero Pod, our friends Level Zero Pod. Wonderful people. Shout outs. Um, Alright, did you miss the dark atmosphere of Rapture? Or did you enjoy the light sky environments more than Rapture? What's one thing about the structure of the game that you would like? Uh, you want to go? That you would fix, sorry. Do you want to go or want me to go? Um, the vibes in Rapture I love more, like, like end of the day. Oh, it's immaculate. Like, the freaking like, somewhere mm-hmm. beyond the sea, and you're just walking around, there's dripping sounds everywhere mm-hmm. and it's like you see the water outside with fish it's like immaculate yeah it's immaculate i love it it's such good energy not to say that infinite isn't interesting in its own regard and i think the light open atmosphere in there is really fun too but something about the closed off claustrophobic pressured area of rapture it like mm-hmm. hits so different that's why it's way more of a, like a lot of the gameplay is the same, but that one's considered a horror game more than this one because For of sure. the environment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What about you? Um, yeah, obviously, I, I think I prefer, it's pretty clear, I prefer Bioshock 1, I prefer Rapture. Um, I think nothing comes close in Bioshock Infinite to Sander Cohen's whole section in Bioshock 1. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's like one of the best moments in modern gaming. No, um, but... I do, if there's one thing I would fix, I would, like I said at the top of the show, I don't like how every area in Infinite is essentially a giant hallway mm. for you to shoot guys. I'd prefer to see, like, more urban environments where people lived, you know? Because, like, like, Rapture, despite being, like, an underwater city, I can believe people lived there. Because it seems, like, more yeah. connected and cohesive. Whereas Rapture feels like a bunch of floating platforms in which I can run around on. Columbia. Columbia, sorry, yeah. yes. But, yeah. I uh, I think the thing I would change is what I was just talking about, like the Rosal, like making the twins and like wrapping up all these interesting ideologies with time and and like mm-hmm. like co- making cohe like making uh, essentially twigging the ending so it's not just Elizabeth being like there's infinite look at all these lighthouses like making it more about the the Rosalind twins kind of mm-hmm. putting the timestamp on what they were like going out to try to do sure which is great like create terrorist alternate worlds they messed it up by you know moving people around from different areas and they were trying to rectify because the whole reason that they even try to fix it is because robert the male version of rosalind 
felt bad. Like, mm-hmm. that's the only reason this game even happens, is he's like, we shouldn't have taken her from there. You need to help me. Mm-hmm. And he gives her an ultimatum, and he says, I won't contact you anymore unless you help me with this. And she says, fine, because I, like, like, I love you. I'll help you with this. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole reason the game even exists. But they never... Like, they're the reason the game exists, but then they get, like, no weight to their, like, attribution to the plot at all. Yeah. This is bad. And that's interesting. I think they're so cool. That's what I would change. It's a very lame ultimato. You're right. Ultimato. <laughs> Uh, our next question comes from Brandon Wilson Creative on Twitter. Follow us at Game of Makeup on Twitter. Nice. Uh, he says, love this game. The world, the acting, the story, characters, and gameplay are all very memorable. Mm-hmm. Also, the sound and music is killer. I can't praise this game enough. Also, the commentary on racism and class is worth discussing. <laughs> we we have we have discussed it. Um, yes, absolutely. We wish. Uh, in fact, I think I wish we wish the game discussed it more and more in depth. I think is a fair answer. I love the music too. Yeah, we didn't really talk about the music a lot. There's a, and there's a couple questions coming up where we go more in depth. But like, yeah, there's a. I I don't find the soundtrack of the actual fights very memorable or like, anything. Dun, but dun, like dun, the actual the music. Uh, moments in the game are all very, very good. And we have a couple questions coming up about those. We'll talk about them more there. But That's fun that you love it. Yeah, it's great. We don't... If you like this game, that's awesome. I like it a lot. We, I, I like it a little. <laughs> <laughs> you take our next question, Haley. Okay, next up we have uh, Wes Bates at Maca Reca. What's up, Wes? Um, nothing like a good video game to give your life some vigor. <laughs> what do you think about the vigor powers in the game, both in terms of the assortment, variety, and usefulness? Were they implemented well, or were they just a uh, refresh of the plasmids from the original game? Murder of Crows for the win. Mm. Murder of Crows is the most fun. The circle of value. Throw <laughs> um, <laughs> them at the corner. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, plasmids and vigors, there's, there's, a lot of them are just recycled. Like, I think there's a fire one in Bioshock 1. There's a fire yeah. one. I think Murder of Crows is the only new one in Infinite. Oh, sorry, the shield one's also new in Infinite. Where you suck up the... Yeah, where you suck up the bullets yeah. and you send them back or Can heal you control yourself. animatronics? No, Possession's the other possession's new one. New, yeah. oh, well, you can hack things in Bioshock 1. There's no hacking in this game, mm-hmm. which is fine, because the hacking in Bioshock 1's not fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, they're fine. I think, I wish there was more of them, and like, like we were saying earlier in the show, like, a lot of them feel like four of them are just the same thing with different effects on them, essentially. They're really pretty, to look, and, like, they feel good to be like, Whoosha! especially when you feel overwhelmed. Like, mm-hmm. they're always welcome, right? Like, I'm always happy to have them and, like, have enough salts to use them. Mm-hmm. And I think they're used well. I should have used them used them more, to be honest. Oh, man. I, I'm surprised you didn't have to on hard mode. I find plasmids were the only reason I, I got through some lot. encounters. I used like, a sniper, and I hit a lot. Like, the, the shock jockey one, just shocking people and then hitting them. It's the only reason I got through so many of those combat encounters. But, yeah, they're fun. I hope, I'm hope i excited to see if there is a new Bioshock. I hope they do some really crazy plasmids. I can only imagine like the stuff they could do with like haptic feedback on a PS5 controller yeah, with a plasmid. that'd be cool. be very cool. I hope they do something really cool with it eventually. Mm. Our next question comes from at uh, real Sean Mott. Sean Mott, an old friend of the show and friend of mine. He says, It's interesting how Infinite and Last of Us were compared due to their surface level similarities and 2013 release dates. Yeah. Last of Us tells its story more cleanly than Infinite, but Levine's work to me is more rewarding despite its messiness. Mm. Sean... Buddy. It's kind of like how we felt with Death Stranding. It's so messy, but we yeah. still love it. Uh, me and Sean go way back. We've had lots of disagreements about media before. And Sean, I'm going to disagree with you on this one, buddy. Um, <laughs> no, no. He, he, he'd love that I'd be arguing with him right now. Um, <laughs> because I think like this game is messy. And you know what? And we, we've already praised it for its ambition. It's definitely... If you want to dig into it, and if you get something from Bioshock Infinite Story that I don't think I got, maybe you got it, Haley, but... 
it's it's not there for me. And again, maybe I'm just too dumb to understand it. That could be, that could be the title of this episode is Mike is too dumb to understand Bioshock Infinite. But it's just to me, it's too it, it's just it's it doesn't reward me despite its messiness. Its it, messiness makes it not rewarding. It rewards you the more you like. You know how you're always like press square with yeah. Dark Souls. Yeah. It does reward you if you go and read all this Vox phone and you like like read like history of things yeah. and whatever it does reward you like things make more sense mm-hmm. and i appreciate it more when i went back and read that stuff i mean i guess we didn't really talk about it either we can talk about it now very quickly just the sort of like dynamic and character relationships between booker and elizabeth because yeah. we because you know obviously our uh you know troy baker and what's what is the actress's I name i forget her name but this is she doesn't she doesn't do a yeah. lot yeah obviously great voice acting performance both of them they really Elizabeth is really good. Yeah, and you know Troy Baker, despite being a sort of a goof these days, is uh, al- a goof man. Al- always good. Um, he's just you know he's tro- trying to hate, not create. You know, or sorry, we're trying to create, not hate. Yeah. Anyway, we'll put anyway, NFTs are dumb. Uh, <laughs> let's, um, but uh, they're both great in this game. I don't. A lot of the relationship to me didn't feel genuine. Man, that, I think it's more to do with the pacing of this game more than anything. They kind of move from Elizabeth being. Uh, Oh Booker, you're how could you murder people like that? That's so messed up. So, like, to now kill them all. all right, I'll kill them all. Here's some guns. Um, whereas I feel like that Ellie Joel comparison is apt. And like, so I'm sorry, good. nothing hits me as hard in this game as the moment from the end of The Last of Us. Like yeah. that cut to black is that left me absolutely gut punched and was way more affecting to me than anything in Bioshock. They're very different I can't games. Even compare them. It's, it's like it's, it's literally two different genres and what they're going for in terms of storytelling. They're so far apart. You're right, though. People at the time really. Did oh yeah, of course. And how could you not? They're, they're very similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, thank you for the question, Sean. Thanks, Sean. All right. Next up, we have Chris Tactical Dreamer. Nice. Um, remember when? Ken Levine murdered Dantac with a skyhook. I don't know if I... I do remember that. As an E3, I believe. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember. Why did I know that? Good times. Anyways, how do you feel about the skyhook in modern context? Is the mobility in the game on par with modern offerings, or is it just an item that gets you from one place to the next for progress? Skyhooks? <sighs> they're, like, they're cool. Like, I didn't do a lot of combat on them because I, I found it very disorienting to shoot from them a lot of the time. When you're in hard mode, it's a game changer to just hop on a thing and then skyhook strike, skyhook strike. Right, right, like, right. You, right, kinda, right. you can just cheese most areas mm. doing that. So, excuse me, I almost just did it to cheese things. Yeah. Um, it, it, I don't think it compares to, like, obviously grapple hooks are all the rage right now in video games. Like, Doom yeah. Eternal and Halo has a grapple hook now and... Shadow Warrior, Pathfinder. Pathfinder, Sekiro had a grappling hook. Like, grappling hooks are very cool, and, like, Bioshock Infinite has a cool one. I kind of, obviously, I wish it'd be more, I could, like, have an actual grapple hook that could, like, attach to walls in an interesting way instead of, like, having the rails. But, like, yeah. at least a couple of cool um, somatic moments in the game. I didn't really think about it too much. I didn't, I found fighting on the ground easier, but... People like them. That's cool. I used them to cheese, and it was kind of fun to zoom around and like get a lay of the land and then start fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they help. I think they hold up. I think they're they're not wholly integral. Like if they weren't, if if the skyhook wasn't in there, I wouldn't be like, oh, this game's way worse. But they they add something. Yeah, I think it adds something to it for sure. Yeah, we have another question here. So you're, questions. you're gonna like this one. Thank you again for all your questions. There's so many questions this episode. We've, it's been great. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is from a gamer looks at forty. Uh, number one. Am I insane for thinking it's a mediocre, watered-down, and morally ugly entry in a beloved series? 
And two, does Infinite do... This is the question you're going to like. Does uh. Infinite do enough work to earn the use of its racist imagery and verbiage, or is it done for pure shock value? Shock value. I think okay. a lot of time, shock She's taking value. number two first. I'll take number one. You take number two. I'll take number two. The amount of times that they hit you over the head. Like, you can discuss these topics without participating in them so fervently that I'm starting to think that you kind of like it. Like, you're kind of enjoying the fact that you're portraying this imagery so aggressively and often. Like, Mm -hmm. if you reach a point where I'm like, shh, like, enough, it's fine. Yeah. I don't know. And then maybe that's totally up to, like, the person and they can read into as much as they want. Again, the, the apt comparison, I think, is Detroit Become Human. Detroit Become Human gets a lot of flack. Rightly so. Rightly so. I kind of enjoy that game because I think... I really enjoy that game. choice, I think it does really cool things with, like, choice and, like, tr- like you know, butterfly effect trees. And, like, yeah. there's a lot of different endings. I think it does really cool things with choice. It hits you over the head with... It's, like... Mm-hmm. Racism's bad. Do you get it? Do you get it? Do the you get androids it? sit at the back of the bus. Do you get it? It's so forceful. And to the point that I don't trust you in handling the material anymore because I feel mm. like you're not doing it mm-hmm. very well. Sure. That's a personal thing. Other people might think it's handled perfectly. Other people with me, with like who are better than me and talking about these kind of things, might think it does a fine job. I would bow to them and let them say. But I personally think it really, like every other image in some <laughs> of the areas, is like extremely racist imagery, and they shove it down your throat a mm-hmm. lot to the point that I was like, enough. Like, it goes beyond the point of like education and commentary to just schlock just like look 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 that whole section where you're going through the three areas of oh the the museum yeah Yeah, yeah. and it's like i get it it's trying to show you how the society went from patriotism to nationalism because nationalism always stems from loving your country to the point that other countries are worse like we're the best Mm -hmm. and then of course the way that white nationalists do it is like since we're the best and we're majority white, that means every other culture that isn't white is therefore inferior, and that's yes. where you get the systemic racism outputting from nationalism. Yes. That's what that section was meant to do, but hooey. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's and a it's, lot. It's too much, I think, and I, I didn't care for it. Other people might mm-hmm. disagree. That's just all I'm going to say. Yeah, that's fair. And just quickly to your number one question, a game that looks at 40, are you insane for thinking it's a mediocre, watered-down, morally ugly game? No, I think I would agree with you. I wouldn't call it mediocre. I think it's very competently made. It's like a solid six or seven out of ten. Um, morally ugly is an interesting phrasing. Yeah, um, I like the, uh, that's interesting. Phrasing. Yeah, I think it is kind of. It's a little bit murky. I think we kind of talked about that earlier. It's a, it's a little. Maybe we kind of wish it had been more like a a full on stance against something. Much like Bioshock One is very clearly a critique of Andrew Ryan's politics. Yeah, and um, we kind of wish maybe instead of Infinite was more instead of like everybody's bad. Yeah, think about it. Even someone who's been oppressed for generations mm-hmm. is bad. So, yeah. That's a great question. Thank you. Uh, yeah, that was an awesome question. Questions. Questions. All right. Next up, we have... So many. Tyler Carver, I know, at It's Major Panda. Hi, Tyler. The story of Booker DeWitt, Zachary Hale Comstock, and Elizabeth will always hold a special place in my heart. The revelation of the loop, the civil uprising of the Vox Populi versus a... My eyes are bad. Puritanical. Puritanical organization. And the wonderfully creative city in the sky of Columbia is perfect. 
Super fair. I love seeing people like like fervently love it because hey. I love it for a lot of the same reasons. Yeah, I love people. People, it's good. It's fun to love things. Love whatever you want. This game didn't doesn't do it for me. That's what I say. And I don't dislike it. I, I think still it's love it. absolutely okay. worth a playthrough. It's on sale all the time. If you're looking for like, it's not that long either. It's like what, like a ten hour game, twelve hour game tops. Like twelve. If you're looking for a fun weekend and you you got four bucks, like I bought this for four dollars and it was wonderful. That's crazy. Yeah, it was great. Um, four hours for twelve. Four dollars for twelve hours yeah. of fun. It's a circus of value. <laughs> um, yeah, it's great. It's great. You liked it. It didn't. I don't think it did it for me in the way it's doing it for you. But if you like it, that's awesome. Yeah. Is this? Are we keep going from these ones? I don't think. I think that's all of our Twitter questions. No, we have three more. I, I asked those ones already. Oh, you did. Yes. Oh, okay. So now we're gonna go to Discord. Discord. All right. Do you want to do... Uh, go up a little bit more. We got a couple more up there. Oh, gotcha. So many. A little bit more. Oh, my more. God. There's so many, you guys. All right. So I have our friend Greg, from a.k.a. Flaming Queso. We'll start with your question, Greg. He's got a lot to talk about here, so we'll kind of, we'll kind of skim through it uh, quickly, the main points that we haven't touched on already. Uh, first one's a great one to start with. Feels like you got to talk about the big gameplay trailer leading up to the game and how it wasn't the game at all. It stands in contrast to the 2020 Halo Infinite trailer. The Bioshock Infinite trailer had huge buzz and excitement around it. While that is, while that Halo trailer had people making fun of its lack of polish. Hmm. At the end of the day, the Halo Infinite trailer was real footage from an unfinished game that lacked polish and ended up looking lackluster, where Bioshock Infinite's trailer was non-gameplay footage that was made to represent what the finished game is intended to look and play like. This is an important distinction. It's hard to get people excited for a game, and maybe both these types of gameplay trailers are good, but the stage audience needs to understand what they are watching. In Bioshock Infinite's case, it is not clear the trailer was not actual gameplay. Uh, For those who don't know, Greg is referring to the, yes, the E3 2011 gameplay trailer of Bioshock Infinite, which is not at all accurate depiction of what this game is. Like uh, if it was, I would have liked it a lot more, you I know think. what their excuse is? What's that? This is a different timeline. Oh my god. It's a trailer for I a hate different that. timeline. I hate that you, you said that. You know that they would do that, though. Well, no, I think their excuse is that like we ran out of time and money and Ken Levine's a nut bar who changed everything. But this trailer shows like crazy terror effects, like much more in-depth than what we got in the final yeah, game. yeah. Um, obviously, like, Elizabeth looks different. Yeah. You know, I give it... Elizabeth has levitation (sighs) powers? Yeah, and I give sort of E3 trailers a little bit of slack. Like, I'm aware, as a consumer watching an E3 trade show, that they're lying to me a lot of the time. Like, they're like, real gameplay footage. It's like, no, it's not. Yeah. You're telling, like, I remember, the key one for me is, like, always, like, the, you remember the Anthem reveal? Yes. <laughs> Where it's like the talking. It, oh my god, the talking. It's like, hey man, how'd your raid go today? Oh, super good, dude. Like, let's go explore together. It's like I would never <laughs> going left. They're like, <laughs> like they're like giving call outs. Like just I have around. played video games with my friends on the internet for a long time. We yeah, don't talk like, like that. that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh so yeah, it's definitely a blemish on this game's history. It's been well documented that like the game just changed drastically from that reveal. Yeah. But yeah, you're absolutely right that these sorts of trailers, like, people need to know what they're getting. Um, and obviously, Bioshock Infinite was still a great big success, and everyone loved it, mostly, I think, at launch. So, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that's a good... Uh, uh, what I else? That uh, also, Greg also says, Bioshock Infinite has maybe the best companion of any game. Oh. Great character, super helpful, never in the way. She wants to help in return. Me, the player, wants to help her quest. But also, on the negative front, Booker feels like the epitome of a generic video game protagonist. Yeah, he's just white guy who runs. Well, and like even the cover of this game, like the cover of the first Bioshock with the big daddy, 
and like the dripping water from the logo it's so iconic and this one is just like like that's one of like if i walked through i'm like what is that game i want to play it that we're just and like and like bioshock infinite like suffers from that syndrome that every game cover had this time where it's like dude on the cover going like like, like just guy. just like holding my gun, not looking at the camera, kind yeah, of thing. I hate that. Uh, but I think we've already talked about Elizabeth as well. Like I feel, I See, wish like, you. The players want it. They want her easy, and they want her helpful. If that's if that's how they want her. That's I, how they want her. I, but like, I didn't feel compelled to help her because she's just kind of in the background, throwing ammo at the back of my head. I mean, she's being helpful for sure. But I just wish she was more in tune with the mechanics. We have a question from Rob of the Draft Punks. Hello, Rob. Hi, Rob. How do you feel about Songbird years removed from the game's release? Do you prefer him more or less than Big Daddy? <sighs> it's the same thing, different font, right? Well, it, yes and no. Because, okay. like, the Big Daddy is, like, you fight several Big Daddies in Bioshock You don't really fight Songbird. Well, you don't. Songbird shows up, like, three times in, like, cutscenes. You never, and, like, I don't think you can even die to him. Maybe if you don't run to the building quick Maybe. enough or something. Yeah. But, like, Big Daddies felt like a threat, right? Like... And there's a big difference when you fight them, they're passive in Bioshock 1. Like, you don't, they don't attack you until you attack them. So, like, setting up your area of defenses was really fun for me in Bioshock 1. Like, I set all my mines down, I got, like, my vigor ready, and I'm gonna, then I'm gonna attack them. And it's, like, a strategic thing where Songbird kind of shows up once in a while, and you're like, but, like, they are, they are the same thing. Was your mind blown when the song C-A-G Cage... I did not know that, really? That they, yeah, she says that. Like, the song that calls Oh, up, sorry, like, yes. It's like C-A-G-E. Wow. And they go, Booker, it's a song. I remember when I was a teen, I was like, ah! <laughs> Ken Levine, you son of a bitch, you've done it again. <laughs> you did it. You caught me, bitch. I'm in you for son of a bitch, I'm in. Flashback <laughs> 4. Do that shit again. I was talking to you about this. It reminded me of the Pokemon movie. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> when, uh, oh my god, this also blew, my mind was so easily blown. It's you were like the, seven. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was like five. Yeah. And it's, I can't remember, is it just the Pokemon movie? Pokemon movie 2000. 2000. And it was when, uh, the Slow King was, was like prophesizing and he's mm-hmm. like, he's like, everything's gonna be awful and, and the world will turn to ash. And I was like, oh no, the world's boned. And then at the end of the movie, they were like, ash. It's you. The world will turn to ash. And I remember being like, oh my God, are you kidding me? And I was like so impressed. <laughs> that like gave me the exact same energy. <laughs> that kicked my ass. I couldn't believe it. Nothing in Bioshock Infinite touches that moment in no, Pokemon the movie 2000. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think that's pretty much sums it up, Rob. He's, he's fine. <laughs> he's fine. He's not as interesting as Big Daddy or like as cool. I like his design a lot. Yeah, I, but I Big he's... Daddy's like iconic. He's an iconic. Oh, but, he's yeah. a PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale <laughs> mainstay. Stop. He's in that PlayStation's trailer, I'm pretty sure. Isn't you, don't, he? you don't see Songbird in that game, no sir. No, he, he hasn't quite reached the reverence of, of, um, of Big Daddy. <laughs> big Daddy. I love you, Big Daddy. <laughs> uh, you want to read? Brian? Sure. Brian, also from the Draft Punks, asks... What are your favorite, I'm going to try to pronounce this, anachronistic moments of the game? I love the Barbershop Quartet crooning Beach Boys tunes, even though it's 1912. Uh, Tied to what Greg said, is the entire game the greatest escort mission ever made? True. And how did you feel about the big tonal shift between the first two games of the trilogy and this one? Even with some similar themes, this game almost feels out of place the first two apart from some late game connections and DLC. It's a lot to unpack here. I love these moments. Like, I talked about this beginning, the opening intro 
Uh, what that, say what that word means? We had to Google it. Yes, it's just essentially when, like, something is out of place. So if you're, like, hearing a song, like, in this case, hearing a song for the Beach Boys, which, like, is, is in the 60s. Or Cindy Lauper. Yeah, and this game takes place in 1912. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's weird. It, like, adds a eerie, uh, food, unsettling mood and stuff. And it plays into the whole parallel universe thing. It's like, mm-hmm. well, in this universe, the song came out earlier. Yeah, it's exactly. Like, <laughs> it's cool. And there's a couple of those, like, Fortunate Son by Creedence Clearwater Revival's also in this game. Oh, and yeah. a couple of those moments. Um, and actually, one of the really cool ones, actually, was in that initial uh, two th- two 2011 E3 trailer, when she opens a tear, they're showing Star Wars Revenge of the Jedi yeah. instead of Return of the Jedi, which I always really liked. And that was, was cool. the original name. Yes, exactly. Oh, back. yeah, right. That's true. And they changed it last minute. So yeah. in that universe, they never changed it. It's cool. So, like, I love little moments like that. It definitely adds feelings of, like, unsettling unsettlement. It's cool. I really like it. Yeah. Um, is, it, is it the greatest escort mission ever made? It doesn't feel like an escort mission. because it she, is. She can't so get hurt. So, therefore, it is the greatest. I guess. You want your escort mission to not feel like Also, one. the greatest escort mission game ever made is Super Mario Bros. 2 Yoshi's Island. Everybody knows this. Oh, that's true. <laughs> 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 Don't do that. Frickin does that. Microphone. Yeah, that's like Elizabeth being like Booker. <laughs> Leon need some salts. <laughs> is is Leon is is Resident Evil Four a better escort mission than this game? Yes. Interesting. Let's just move on without a <laughs> And a big tonal shift. Uh, I liked it. I think it's it's fine. It's, it's same thing, different font again. Yeah, I mean it's, that's the whole idea is that like it's the same yeah. world but different. It's in the sky instead of underwater. The next splash should be like it's on Earth, on regular <laughs> it's land. In the middle. It's like all Iowa. See, that would be kind of interesting because then it's like <laughs> Albuquerque. You know, instead of having like relying so heavily on the environments, you could just talk be more about the. The social commentary. Wow, 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 wow. <laughs> oh, wow. More, 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 more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Dory, how's it going? One of my biggest gripes with Bioshock Infinite in retrospect is his politics, which are seemingly centrist, for sure. We're, yeah, we were talking about that. Obviously, if y'all don't want to touch the politics, that's fine, but it's definitely a big part of the story. I know it was divisive for some folks in the time. It still is. Yeah, I have the exact same qualms. You can't vilify... You can't vilify... I don't know. I hate that the Vox Populi get vilified. And it's like, yeah. Not a fan. I think it's, I think the whole thing we were talking about earlier with it's like, it works for individual circumstances, like in Bioshock 1, where you're just talking about a few men Mm. and how they're greedy and like how that reflects people in general. But when you're trying to attribute it to a class struggle, it comes across really icky and I don't like it. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. Yeah. Want to do the next one? Yeah, we have one from our, our friend Chris Babino of Hello Hyrule. Who says the first thing? I, I mean, the first thing I think of when I hear the words Bioshock Infinite is the seemingly everlasting conversation about ludo narrative dissonance <laughs> in games that feel that felt like it arose in its wake. So to beat a dead horse a bit, do you guys feel like the mechanics of this game were at odds with the story it was trying to tell, or can you think of other games where the mechanics of the story felt so contradictory to each other that it hindered your enjoyment of the game? We've touched on this already, I think, a little bit with our discussion about ludo narrative dissonance. I think it's interesting that that became such a phrase because so. I've seen people like lean really far into that and, and adopt it as like a critic's term, like yeah. something that you can actually use. And then on the other side, people like viscerally hate when people use that phrase mm-hmm. and they think it's almost like holier than now, like game critics talking about games, blah, 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 blah. like they're not there yet. You can't talk to them about it like in that way, whatever. Yeah. I think it's an interesting word, like phrase. For sure. I mean, because that is something you can experience. You can experience 
Like, even if it was something dumb, like, in the cutscene, he's wearing a hat, and outside the cutscene, his hat disappears. Like, that's the most basic you can think of it. Like, that took me out for a second, because why is the cutscene different than the game? Like, if you would think of it that way. Right. But that's not narrative. But, you know, like, it's, uh, content- what's it called? Um, like, where the Starbucks cup is left in the back of the Oh, in Game, game of, Thrones. of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. Same energy, right? Like, that just took me out, because it shattered the illusion between the cohesiveness of the elements of this thing. Yeah, and on the inverse of that, it's like, at the same time, games are games, and they have to be games. Yeah. So, like, and I'd say every game has to be a shooting game, or something like that. Like, I don't, like, I don't question when I play Super Mario, why Mario's jumping on the Goombas. They're in my way. You know? Like, I don't I don't wonder about their homes and their families, and, and Mario's murder. a psychopath for murdering them. Even <laughs> yeah. though, also, he plays tennis with them sometimes. Yes. Um, See, that's huge. <laughs> So, to answer, your, to answer your question, Chris, Super Mario Tennis is the best Ludum Narrative Distance game because Mario kills Goombas but also plays tennis with them. And, like, party games. And party games. I mean, it's it's an interesting... At this point, though, I feel like it's been done and, like, I like, talked with, like, the Naughty Dog trophy being like, yeah, we get it. Nathan Drake, it's hard to like Nathan Drake as a character when he literally brutally murders dozens of people. Hundreds. Hundreds. Like, hundreds of them. When you make murdering the way to progress to the plot... Yeah. That's gonna happen. Yeah, it makes, it's, and, and that's then, literally what Neil Druckmann said about it too. He's just like, we get it, like it's, but it's it's a shooting game. So you know what do you want us to you do? You know, it's an awesome example of a game where murdering is the plot, but it totally is like feels good. Undertale. No, Hitman. Oh, like don't kill things, Undertale. That was the joke, by the way. <laughs> yeah, not Undertale. <laughs> like when I play Hitman, like more so the new trilogy. Yeah. Yum yum yum. Sure. You're killing everything, and that makes sense because you're a hitman. <laughs> like, that's the point. You're trying, yeah. you know, it discourages you. It actually punishes you for killing people that aren't necessary, but you can still do it. Yeah. It just means you're a sloppy assassin, and that's sure. like, that doesn't take you out that's of it, That's a good right? point. Like, if you do it right and only kill the people you need to, you get bonus, you get better points, and you yeah. get rank up faster, and you get better stuff. Absolutely. But if you're stuck at your job... You can still do it, and it still kind of logically makes sense because sometimes you have to kill in a pinch. If you turn the corner with a machete in your hand and the body's behind you, and a chef walks in and says, "What's going on?" You have to kill the chef. Yeah, that happens in the spur of the moment when you're when you're Agent Forty Seven, and that makes sense. <laughs> or when you're you on the weekend sometime <laughs> trying to find some pasta. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, do the spaghetti run. We just yeah. throw cans of tomatoes, tomato sauce. But I can't really everybody. think of a game that like like actively brought me out of it being like this doesn't make any sense i can't i can't think of one personally I definitely have, it's happened to me but i'm trying to sometimes red dead can have issues with that oh sh- well yeah at, yeah sure because the whole point of red save it for the red dead redemption <laughs> episode dutch we need money <laughs> arthur you have ten thousand yeah. dollars we have no money see that's actually a great example because you'll put five thousand dollars in the in the bin and then dutch will turn around and be like I see you haven't donated in a while. I'm like, I just put the equivalent of $150,000 in that tin, and you're not even, like, saying, good job, Arthur. Yeah, that's true. More, like, just other things with, like, you know, if uh, Arthur, you play him nice, he still does shitty things in the cutscenes and murders innocent people sometimes, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Like, it gives you this whole morality thing where it's like, you could be the really good cowboy or the really bad cowboy, Mm -hmm. and, like, stuff still happens in the plot regardless of what you do. Sure. And you might not necessarily, like, he still will rob a bank and hold people at gunpoint even though he's max honor. Yeah. It's that could take you out It's got the idea, too, maybe even, like, like in a Zelda game when it's like, all right, Link, it's time to go kill Ganondorf. 
But you're like, well, I got to get the bottles, though. So yeah. I'm going to go run around for 10 hours and get those, even though the end of the world's happening. The fact happening. that I didn't fight Ganon in Breath of the Wild for, like, 450 <laughs> yeah. hours. I just ran around <laughs> like, and We're all tests. dying. I have to get all the Terrys to tear it down. <laughs> I can't do this. <laughs> that's true. Yes, thank you for the question, Chris. Thank you. Uh, I think that's everything. I believe. Yeah, that was everything. Oh, so many questions. Thank you all so much. Look if at you... how long we talked. Over two yeah, hours. If you ever want to submit more questions, please follow us on Twitter at Game and Makeup. We would love to hear from you. Yes. Uh, so our Twitter is at Game and Makeup. We also have a Twitch now. We're streaming a lot. Yeah. I mean, you stream a lot on, on ours. Yeah, I stream. I play a lot of Dark Souls every Sunday, but we've done, we've done a couple co-op streams. We played some Mario Party, some Resident Evil. We're going to hopefully get more of those in the future. Maybe upload those VODs to YouTube if people are That'd interested. That'd All be... our socials are now conveniently at the bottom of the Yes, we didn't really talk about our new set and layup. We have yeah. a new layout, so you can just look at us, and there's no ghosts in the background like in death stranding anymore yeah so michael and i used to use a green screen and it was getting too cumbersome and we would have to set it up and get all cranky (laughs) before we record so now we have this new setup and audio listeners unfortunately can't see it but if you want to you can go to our youtube channel uh give me make up yeah and see our new much more polished setup for our new video like comment and subscribe we if you if you'll agree with our takes please let us know if you disagreed please let us know we'd love to hear from you And, and michael where can people find you on the internet i'm on um, I'm at Mike P. Tucker on Twitter. I don't. I just pretty much just tweet about hockey and video games and whatever I'm thinking about. Yeah. Uh, and um, yeah, again at the Twitch, I came and make up. It's where I'm usually. I'm usually doing a lot of solo stuff in there. That's we where you play find. together sometimes. Yeah, but it's usually just me. We were playing Resident Evil Five. Yeah, Mario Party was great. Yeah, and I'm Haley Facts on Twitter, um, and I'm also Haley Facts on Twitch too. Yeah. And what, you been, what have you been streaming? Uh, I did a Dead by Daylight stream the other day, which was really fun, and I, mm-hmm. it was really embarrassing. Yeah. I got my Red Dead Redemption 2 Platinum live on stream. That was really fun. That took probably four years. <laughs> yeah, we're just kind of streaming whenever we feel like, playing yeah. whenever we like. It's just for we're fun. Busy, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, and um, maybe something fun about us. We have something fun that's happening next month. What's that? Oh, the puppy. We're getting a puppy. Yeah. We're, we're... Let's pierce the veil yeah. and see our real lives. So you'll probably have a dog in the background of these videos yeah. relatively soon. Next episode, we'll have a little baby. We'll mm-hmm. have a new puppy. And what is that episode going to be? Find out soon by following us on Twitter. If you follow us on Twitter, we will tell you what the game is going to be. We're we truly next. want people to. We got so many great questions for this episode. So many. Uh, so we really hope that by announcing these games earlier and earlier, you guys will be inclined to play along with us and... Give us some great comments and That'd feedback awesome. they did for this episode because it's been wonderful. But we're going for a two and a half, two hours. Crazy. So, any Haley, final thoughts? Say your goodbyes. I like it. I still love this game, with, and I have qualms with it, but that's fair. We've talked about them long enough. I yeah. like it, and I have it has a whole nostalgia vibes for me. Like I remember the brain I ha- when I was playing through this ending and I was walking doing the lighthouse stuff. I remember the way I used to think. Like it was weird. I don't. It was very nostalgic for me. And I remember thinking about my 20-year-old self playing this, and it really mm-hmm. felt... And 20 isn't even old or young, I mean. But you know what I mean. Like, I was a different person then. And I was a different person when I played this game first, when it first came out. And it was almost kind of nice to play it again and think about how different I am now. It was yeah. fun. It was nice. For sure. But you? That's a good game. I'm glad I got to play it again. I'm glad I made you pick it for our next game of makeup. <laughs> yeah. uh, or for this game of makeup. It's so essentially your pick. You know? Yeah. And I get to pick next time, too. It's like, two picks in a row, baby. Hell yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it'd be three picks. I made you pick Death Stranding, and then this, and then this. So. Oy, oy, oy. <laughs>
but yeah that's it everybody thank you so much for watching please check out all of our friends and their great podcasts who are who we mentioned in the on the and our great listener questions we hope to hear from you all soon yes thank you everybody we hope you have a lovely day all right goodbye everyone goodbye